everybody welcome to the battle round i'm sitting in the producer's chair here for the first time in a long time uh the battle round is coming to you live from the chesapeake employers insurance studio and the battle round is brought to you by chesapeake employers insurance your workers compensation insurance specialist i am your host paul valley and joining me as always is my co-host zach goodman zach how are you this morning I have you on mute. Uh, pretty solid, Paul. Pretty solid, Paul. Not not the greatest day outside. Kind of raining. It's not a not a usual bat around day. I yeah, think you it, know you well, know whenever dude. whenever we come in, it's always like sunny and bright. And, and this morning, it's just raining. I mean, it kind of I guess it's like a metaphor for the Orioles a little bit, right? You know, it's it's raining and we're doing this bat around show. Dude, you you try to be a good person. You try. Uh-oh. You try to. Uh-oh. You try to live your life with respect for others. Treat people with this kindness, is, this love, having, and, 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 and gentility. And then you wake up on May 29th, and it's a high of 50 degrees, and it's raining. I, I feel like I went to sleep in May and woke up in November. What is this? I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's what, uh, what is this? It's Memorial Day weekend, man, and it's cold and rainy and wet. Look, and as, just as, garbage. As long as it's nice on Monday, I think that's all. I mean, it'd be nice if it was all, nice all three days. But it's apparently, supposed to get back into the 70s. apparently it's not gonna be. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's nice on Monday, that's a win. Dude, do me a favor. I don't sure. think you grabbed all the live reads. Uh, well, I, that, I I got all the ones that printed out for sure. I'll grab. I them. I, I have two. Okay. I I have two. Ch- check your check your pile. Check your pile right there. All right, I printed them all out, so I need you to check again for me, please. In the meantime, uh, we are here on the batter. On the Orioles have lost ten games in a row, and they've lost seventeen out of nineteen. Thank you, sir. They've lost seventeen out of nineteen, and they're just not playing good baseball. A good thing to talk about, though, is the fact that Grayson Rodriguez has been called up to uh, has been called up to Double A. Um, He's up, he's he called up, he, he's called up to Bowie, and you know this is a good sign because now you have DL Hall and you have Grayson Rodriguez and you have Adley Rutschman um, at Double A Bowie. They're one step closer to getting to the major league level, uh, and that's what we're looking for here. Right. We're we're, we're right. looking for progression because you're not seeing it at the big league level. So at least we're seeing it at the minor league level. We saw Kyle Bradish get get promoted to um <clears throat> we saw Kyle Bradish get promoted to AAA Norfolk last week. Grayson Rodriguez is promoted this week. Um we're going to see Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg uh get promoted sooner rather than later. Dude. Yep. Uh, you were distracting the crud out of me. <laughs> well, I, I I know what I'm not I know what I'm doing. The, the, no, I, I know. You, I don't know. I don't know. Fine. I don't know if it's for the listeners, but I, you're, you're very loud for me. I don't know if that's the same. That's all I was saying. But uh, yeah, it is. It is certainly a good thing that uh, that, that Grayson Rodriguez has moved up, and I think that's the start of, of what's going to happen for more guys. Um, you're going to see a, a lot of guys who are performing well. A lot of guys. That, I mean, be, because the whole minor league system right now is performing well for the Orioles, and that's of course a good thing. Um, and it is, it is like you said, it's it's a great thing to see some of these guys progressing, see what they're doing. Um, and you know, Grayson Rodriguez, it's going to be exciting to see him pitching to Adley Rutschman. That's going to be probably 
you know, the most exciting battery when it comes to the 2023-2024 Orioles. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Definitely going to try to get down to Bowie soon. Almost have to to see those guys uh, work together. I've th- I've thought about going to Bowie. <clears throat> thought about going to Bowie a couple of times, and I just haven't made the drive. The, t- the tickets are, are are cheap. Yeah, right. I actually I actually clicked purchase on two tickets. They were like seventeen bucks a pop or something like that to go to a game a few weeks ago. But the I was doing it over my phone, and maybe you have to do it on an actual tablet or online or something, or, or, or uh, not a tablet, but on an actual computer um, to buy the tickets. It wouldn't let me buy the tickets for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I ended up not going. But I'm going to get yeah. down there at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, but got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. I, I basically only have one day off these days. Well, it's almost like taking a trip to D.C. It's a long way to go, but I guess we're lucky that the Orioles have their affiliates even in reach because there's teams that have you know teams all the way across the country. Um, I think the San Francisco Giants have one on the East Coast. So it's, Which it's, makes no sense. Right. I mean, it just that, It makes it, it no doesn't. sense. It, it was like when the, um, the 93 season, it was 92 or 90, I think it was 93, when the Braves and the Giants were battling it out for first place. Mm-hmm. One team won 102 games, the other one won 103. Uh, and that was why they brought in the wild card team, because mm-hmm. one of those yep. teams won 102 games. Well, and they deserve to be there. The, the Giants, they won 102 games and they didn't get to the playoffs. But more, more importantly, how are the San Francisco Giants playing in the National League East? Yeah, it that, doesn't really. That's, that's why make, they shook up divisions and brought in wild yeah, cards. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense. Doesn't I make mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Not much sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, did you speaking of the, of the Giants? Did you catch that game last night? I did not catch the game last night. But oh, okay, so let, let me let me tell you. This was uh, guys. We're an Orioles show, so we're going to talk about the Orioles here in a little bit. Uh, but this game was so freaking crazy last night. Um, Giants up five to two, one out, bottom of the ninth. They bring in uh, Mauricio Dubon to, yep. to play second base. There's a runner on base. Will Smith, sharp grounder to Maurice Dubon, Mauricio Dubon, and he boots it. Mm-hmm. They gave Will Smith a hit. Th- this was an error. Th- there's, yeah. th- there's no getting around it. I- I've noticed that a lot, actually, this year, where they're giving guys hits on errors. He, he hit the ball on the screws, but it hit him in the glove. Yeah. Well, hit him in the glove and he didn't feel it. The same play that happened to Freddie Galvis uh, the other day, where Freddie Galvis missed the ball and they called it a hit for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I guess because of the exit velocity. I guess if if, if, if your exit velocity be, yeah. is 100, they want to yeah. reward you, I guess. I don't know. But he botches the play. It's called a base hit. should have been an out. Gavin Lux then grounds out as the next batter. So there's two outs now, but really the game should have been over. Yeah. So Austin Barnes steps into pinch hit, and on a 1-0 count, he immediately hits a three-run homer to tie the game. Mm-hmm. It's 5-5. Then Albert Pujols comes up, and he I hits see this. He hits a bomb to left field. It's a home run. It's a home run. Except Mike Talkman said, nope. Not huh. so fast. Yankees legend Mike Talkman. He jumps up, and it, it would have been a home run. He 100% robs Albert Pujols of mm-hmm. a walk-off home run. Uh, the Giants go in, and they score three runs in the 10th inning, uh, highlighted by a two-run pinch hit double by Evan Longoria. They go on to win the game 8-5, to five, but just a crazy set of happenings yeah. in the ninth inning of that game, a game that the Giants it really had no business uh Taking the extra innings because they were up five to two with two outs and their second baseman made it, made, 
what was a rule and error, but was essentially an error. Right. That NL West, I mean, we talked about it last show. I think we talked about it in the last, like, five, ten minutes. But that NL West is amazing. I mean, you've got the Padres. You've got the Giants out there who were playing surprisingly well. And, of course, the world champs are out there as well. It's it's a fun division to watch. I mean, I, I wish their games weren't on so late so I didn't have to miss all of them like I do. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly an exciting uh, exciting matchup whenever, you know, one of those two teams gets to play each other. And then you have, obviously, like the Rockies, who are not a, a very solid team out there. But when you have three teams that are really contending right now in that division, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, it's absolutely a ton of fun to watch. And you have the best. There was a point where, I mean, these are... Three of the best teams in baseball. Right. The Giants still shock me. They, yeah, they, I mean, and I, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it was which will, which will happen. I I don't think they. I don't know, man. It's it's June basically, and they're still Kevin Kevin Gosman is pitching like an ace. He he he's one of the leading contenders for Cy Young. Something else, but, but people were saying that. In the offseason, he was a Cy Young contender. And then he goes out there, he has a whip below one. Yeah. He's striking out 10 batters per, 10 batters per game, uh, ERA sub three. Yeah. He's just he's pitching lights out. Their entire rotation is basically pitching lights out. And then the Padres, man, t- Fernando Tatis hits a home run every other game. Uh, and, and they're doing this basically yeah. without Manny Machado. Machado's batting like 220. Yeah. You know, Manny Machado has really struggled this year. I, I think a lot of Padres fans have gotten impatient already, but I think we've seen with Machado, especially here in Baltimore, he has these slow starts. This is not uncommon. I mean, if you think of 2017, I want to say he was batting maybe 220 and batting seventh in like 2017. I, I believe that was the year he got off to that awful start. I don't after, think they ever batted him seventh. He was down. He was down really low. I can remember for about two games, uh, Buck really lowered him in the lineup because he was really struggling. Well, it, it was 2017. It was only. Where... It was only a matter of like two games where he was he was really he was hitting yes. like 220 at the all-star break. yes and then he came out like gangbusters after the right. all-star break he had 35 rbis and mm-hmm. i'll never forget watching a game at my dad i was down at the beach with my ex mm-hmm. um and that's the only time i'll ever mention her on the show <laughs> down at the beach with her um and they're playing the angels and Jer- uh, what what was his name not jeremy alex what what the hell was that dude's name who came over he, oh he ended up, uh, for yunsu kim is that no it? no is no that the trade? no it was jeremy Hellickson. yeah I'm, I'm it was jeremy Hellickson. yeah um he starts against the angels and he gets lit up and the orioles are fighting and clawing fighting and clawing uh anthony santander gets a base hit to keep the inning alive in the ninth inning Bases are loaded. Manny Machado comes up. Already has two homers in the game, and yep. he blasts a walk-off grand slam to dead center field. That was one of the hottest times I've yes. ever seen Manny Machado. You're, uh, you're talking about the the Angels game, right? Yeah. To yeah. Be exact. Okay. Uh, that was the greatest call I think in maybe all of of the last 10, 20 years for the Orioles. I remember Jim Hunter delivered an incredible call. On it that, was a great call. Yes. It was it it was a great call. Um, Great, and, great hit, and, hit as well. And, and, and I, I remember a week or so later for my birthday, I was at Camden Yards. The Orioles mm-hmm. were playing the Yankees, and Manny had a it was a two or three homer game. Yeah. But he came up as the go ahead run in the bottom of the ninth inning, and you knew he was gonna he was gonna walk it off, and he did. He was he was red hot, like yeah, you said. He had that slow start, so I don't think Padres fans should be too concerned of of the slow start because he he turns it around, especially after the All Star break. He will absolutely yes. turn it around. Yes, I think he did it last year. He, he's La- too good. Last year it was like he was listening to the bat around. Yeah, we were, we right. were sitting here in studio and Com- complaining, and I'm talking about how. They are they already regretting a contract? Manning needs to start playing like an MVP. He's batting two hundred, and then he went he went off the rest of well, the year and yeah. almost and almost won the MVP award. I, I think in the long run, I always talk about this with long contracts, but I think in the long run they actually will 
regret it a little bit because teams always do. When you give a guy three hundred yeah. plus million dollars at the end of the contract, look, like look at Albert Pujols. Look well, what happened in that but, situation. But, but, but the difference is that Pujols signed that contract when he was thirty-one years right, old, right? In his and prime, man, and, yes. And, and, yes. And Manny signed the contract when he was twenty-six, also in his prime. So but, yeah. you you basically you give out a ten-year deal. You're paying for the first six years. Right, you're, you're exactly. paying for the you're right. paying the whole contract for the production that you get for the first six years. You will wind up going, man. Especially fans. I'm not sure so much as the management, but fans will get annoyed with it in the eighth or ninth year of the contract. It's yeah. just inevitable. Well, and and which is fine. You look at Albert Pujols, and yeah, he kind of became a nothing in that yeah. lineup towards the end. But up until about a year or two ago, he was still hitting home runs, producing, yeah, and driving in runs. He was still right. a run producer. The average just wasn't there. Right. But getting back to the Orioles. Look, man, they've lost 10 straight. They've lost 17 of 19. We're not going to waste our breath going over the losses, the, the, the last loss to Chicago. There's just no point in it because, they, they, look, they got a good start out of Bruce Zimmerman. The bullpen came in. Yep. Cesar Valdez, to me, is done, done as a reliever. Done. Like, like, get out of there, here. There is nothing left. You, it, you see him come in. Every, I mean, the teams just sit on it. There's I, nothing. There's no, no deception. There's none. The dead fish is dead. And <laughs> the, the, <laughs> Again. He, he's got nothing. I still think that Tanner Scott is one of the best relievers in baseball. When, oh, I do when, too. When, when yeah, he's on, absolutely. But he he's so he struggles so mightily. Yes. To throw strikes, it's bad. When after the game the other night, he he came in, he got ahead 0-2 on Billy Hamilton, and then he leaves a fastball right down the middle, and Hamilton grounds a slow roller up the middle into center field for a base hit, scores a scores a run to give them a two to one lead, and you're sitting no. Was it a two to one lead or yeah, to give them a two yeah. to one lead. And you're like, why would he leave a fastball there? So somebody asked Brandon Hyde in the postgame, how do you feel about the fastball? He goes, the first thing he says about Tanner, first thing. Well, we all know Tanner's not a command guy. Yeah. When your manager is saying yeah. this about you, get it together, man. Right. How do you know how to spot your slider? But you have no clue where your fastball is going. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of weird. You see Tanner come out. He throws two fastballs usually, both off the zone, and then he drops in a perfect slider on the inside corner or whatever, wherever he puts it. And it's like, what, why aren't you doing with the, this with a fastball? How do you, like, what, how what's do you going spot on? a slider? Yeah, I mean, a slider is a much harder pitch to and, throw. And not a fastball. Right. I mean, I, I look, I get it. He's, you know, he throw, he's throwing 97, 98, 99 miles per hour. It's tough to locate. But look, come on. You've done it in the past. We saw in 2020. Tanner Scott was locating I mean, he, in 2020. He was still walking four and a half guys per nine. Well, now he's in, walking in, seven. In, in, so, yeah. yeah. In 2020, it's just... There's been so much regression Yep. on the pitching side of things. The offense... Look, the, the, I saw something the other day yeah. that said that the offense with Mancini, Mountcastle, Hayes, Santander, and Mullins in the lineup, the team is 3-0. and Yes. And those three games were the first three games of the year. That's how long it's been since all five of those guys were in the lineup at the same time. And that's that's basically the five guys you expected to produce mm-hmm. most out and, of and this they're, year. They're three and when all five right. of them are healthy in the right. lineup together. And then if you and add not. In, right, and then if you add in a guy like Freddie Galvis, and then if you you know if Michael Franco's hitting well, if Pedro Severino's hitting well, all and of those DJ things, Stewart and DJ Stewart's there as well. It, this is a solid lineup, but one guys aren't staying healthy. Two, some guys like Michael Franco aren't hitting well. Ryan Mountcastle not hitting well. So it just really hasn't come together. And it then, just and, hasn't. And then and Mountcastle's been about 270 in, in May. In, so in he, the last month, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, but I mean, when we, when you're two months into the season, you know what I mean. In the it's last month, it's not too bad. A- I mean, look, I, I I will say this: it's very hard. He was batting maybe 180, 190 at the end of uh, April, maybe a little bit higher than that. But he brought it all the way up. He's batting around 230 right now, and that that's a tough thing to do. That's a lot. That's about well, 40 points higher. And we're t- we're talking about these guys not being in the lineup. These these are some Hayes. It's a soft tissue issue. Yes, he'll be, so, I'm not so, too worried so, about him. So, soft tissue issue. Uh, <laughs> soft tissue uh, issue. Um, he has a hamstring injury again. Yes, now yes. it's backdated, so they expect him yeah. back relatively quickly. Um, but Mountcastle and Mancini, they get hit by pitches. And now they have to miss time. Yeah, I, I think actually the reason for Hayes they did that is because Mountcastle can't play, so they wanted to make sure they had an extra extra bench guy up with, yeah, with the, Ryan yeah, McKenna. But 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 they did that before Mountcastle got hit in the hand. Did they actually? Uh, I'm not sure if they yeah, did. Yeah, the, the, they, they did it. The, the day that Hayes... I thought it was what, the day after, actually, but... I'm pretty sure that the day that Hayes got put on the IL, Mountcastle got drilled in the hand. But I could be wrong. You you could be right. You're, uh, prob- yeah, you're probably well, right. All, my, my days are bleeding together as it is. But anyway, 10 straight losses for this team. Losers yeah. of 17 of 19. This is the low point of the rebuild for me because you have to remember guys that the 115 loss 2018 season wasn't part of the rebuild right that's that's the the season where they really decided this is what we have to that do that was when they, that was when they were like look we got to get when when buck was yes. going you you knew that the, the ring was on the wall buck's going to go right. duquette's going to go the rebuild started that off season when they brought in Mike Elias yep. um but if I, I remember back in 20 in, in 2002 Orioles were sixty three and sixty three after one hundred and twenty six games. They went four and thirty two the rest of the way, which is the worst stretch of baseball I had ever seen. I had ever seen. Yeah. I from <laughs> from from this franchise. Now look, I was alive mm-hmm. when they started zero and twenty one in yep. eighty eight. I don't remember it. Right. Uh, you know, I was three and a half years old. I was alive. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. it. This team, the worst stretch of baseball I've ever seen from them was four and thirty two to end that tw- that two thousand two season. And I remember. I remember them winning their 63rd game to get to 63 and 63 and being like, oh my God, this team's 500 in August. This is awesome. There's a chance, right. And then they completely bottomed out. Yeah. It was the worst stretch of baseball I've ever seen. This is up there. This is... This is up there. This is... this. I remember seeing losing streaks and being like, oh my God. Yeah. This is like gut-wrenching because well, they're I, better than this. I, I think they're better than oh, this. Oh, they are for sure. I, and I think in 2018 and 2019, we expected it. You know, we knew they were going well, we to lose a lot to, of to games. A, to a certain degree, we should have expected this year. We should have, but uh, 11, I mean, you know, 10 straight now and, and most likely more coming. Like you said, this team is better than this. We expected progress. This is the year where I always thought that, look, 2021, that's the year of the rebuild. Not flips the switch, but starts to get better. You start seeing more prospects filtering in. You start seeing guys play better. You start seeing more real, actual talent instead of, you know, a, a, a... Craig Gentry or something you have as your fourth outfielder. You know, it, it's it feels like this should have gotten better. And right now, it's reverting to 2018, 2019, you know, win totals. So... And I know we've talked about all year. We've always said that the W and the L, it doesn't really matter. It, it more matters about the progress of players. But right now, neither of those things are happening. Players aren't progressing, and the Orioles aren't winning any games. And to see that happening is extremely frustrating. It's it's incredibly frustrating. And look, I get it. You you and we're gonna, we're gonna get Stan the fan yep. on, the, on on the line here momentarily. But we just got I gotta get this out. Like like we we know that they lost a year. Yep. Of this rebuild. The, the, not having a minor league season, no matter how much work you got in at the alternate training site, they lost a year. Yes. But here's the thing. Andrew Vaughn, the third overall pick, is already in the major leagues. Yep. In, from 2019. Bobby Witt Jr., 
they were clamoring for yeah, him to make his major league debut this it, spring. It, it probably won't be much longer before and, he And does. it probably won't be much longer before he does. Adley Rutschman is coming. Yep. Not this year. This stretch right now has made it 100% positive that he, he is no. not coming up yes, we, at we, any point this season. We will not see Adley Rutschman. He is not coming this year. No. But we will see him next year. Yes. You And you're not putting, and I'm going to talk about this again later, you're not putting Adley Rutschman on this major league roster to suck. And I'm not talking right. about for him to suck. I'm talking about for the team to suck. Because you don't want to waste a year of Adley Rutschman. You're you, not, you, have, you, have, right. you have six and, years of Adley Rutschman, and you don't want to waste one of them on a, on a 50-win team. What they're going to do is they're going to call him up in late May next year. That would be what so I would expect. They're going to get basically seven years Correct. of service time. They're yep. going to call him up in late May Because you, if, if, if people know how that works, essentially you can call them up a little bit later in the season if it's not opening day because it gives them an extra year of arbitration. Right. There's, there's a certain amount of time that they have to accrue at the right. minor league level in a season. To not to not have their clock yep. start to the following year. That's what they did with Ryan Mountcastle last and year, and it's smart. It really is. Yeah, it, and it's what all teams do with their top prospects. Basically, it's what they it's what the Rays the Rays did with Evan Longoria. They gave him this big contract right. essentially before he ever set foot on the Major League Diamond, and then waited a month before they called him up to get that extra year of service time. Actually, that doesn't make any sense. So why would they get the extra? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, Adley Rutschman's coming at some point next year. Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall, they're not going to be that far behind him. You are yep. not. Bringing up your top prospects to have your team suck. Right. Okay. Now they're not going to be free players in free agency this off season, but they better be after next year. Yeah, they almost have to be. I in in this off season, I think if they had gone, you know, if they were anywhere close to like a seventy win team, then yes, I absolutely think they they would have been a player, at least a minor player. Uh, but now, absolutely not. I'm going to get the sounding off uh, as as Paul gets stand the fan on the line. I want to talk about the, the City Connect jerseys. Um, the White Sox unveiled their City Connect jerseys yesterday in partnership with Nike. I don't know if people have seen the, the City Connect jerseys, but they're kind of circulating around Twitter right now. Um, they're, uh, they're beautiful, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of the Boston ones, and I'm not a big fan of the Marlins ones. Um, but all three of these jerseys, which are the three City Connect jerseys that have been unveiled so far, um, and there could be more coming later. I'm not sure what their, what their plan is for that. But they kind of represent the city, they represent the heritage, they represent the city's connection to the baseball team, they represent the fans, and I think it creates a lot of excitement and publicity when you have these new jerseys. You know, you're playing 162 games a year. You want to do something to get your fans, you know, paying attention to the game of baseball because people don't really, unless you're a hardcore hardcore, uh, baseball fan like Paul and I are, you're not tuned in to maybe every single game, but then you see, oh, this is the City Connect weekend. They're they're wearing these crazy jerseys. Let's look at that. You know, it, it may help grow the game a little bit. It creates excitement, especially with the younger people in baseball too. I think is is something that's a little bit important. So, I I, I think you know Nike should start to to roll out more of these jerseys. They should wear them for a whole weekend, make a whole celebration out of it. I think it really would would grow the game. But I'm interested to get your guys' take on that. Um, I think you know basically MLB needs to do anything they can to grow the game at this point. It, it's it has to happen. I absolutely agree. They they have such a hard time marketing. Yeah. The 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 players. Yep. Uh, it, Mike Trout. Because if you don't live on the West Coast, right. I mean people know who Mike Trout is, but you don't see him. Well, look. If Mike Trout was walking down the street. Uh, you're the not average gonna fan's get, not going to know who he is. If, if he's walking down the street in Baltimore, I don't even think he's going to get stopped. Maybe in L.A., sure. but Oh, oh definitely on the West Coast. Here, yeah. No. Uh, unless, now, in Philly, in Jersey, yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, 
the, the whole point of these of these jerseys, these uniforms, not not the hats. The hats that came out last week awful. were, were, were oh, absolute travesty. Goodness, and Major League Baseball was so embarrassed by them, they pulled them off the yeah. shelves. But awful. these, the, it says Southside across the White Sox yes. jersey. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. You want to connect with your city. Connect now, with now, the fans, too. Now, Bring now, them all together. The Orioles, they connect with their fans because it says Baltimore across the chest. It yep. didn't for a really long time. Yes. And now it says Baltimore across the road jerseys. And that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel I would love it if they would do that somehow with the home jerseys. And maybe that's how they do it for for their uh, City Connect jerseys. Yeah. I don't know how they do that. But it is important to connect with your fan base. Definitely. Baseball, it's popular amongst 35 to 60-year-olds. The average age right. of a Major League Baseball fan is 54, 55 Which years old. Which is sad. Old. It really is. You need, and It's a dying sport amongst kids. Yes. You need to connect with these kids. And I think these jerseys exactly. is, is a great way to do that. With that in mind, I have Stan the fan, Charles, who was, I think he was around back when they originally had Baltimore in the jersey. Stan, how are you today? I'm going to put you on mute for a second. That is something that I've never had happen before. I don't know what just happened there. I had to tear off the headphones for that one, but we'll yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I thought maybe the receiver's off the I'm, hook. I'm not, me, I'm not sure what the uh, what the problem would have been. Let there. me give this another shot. Stan, you with us? I'm with you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Sorry about that. I think the receiver That's was right. off the hook a little I'm, bit. I'm speaking off of my, uh, you know, my Bluetooth. Okay, no worries. That I don't think that problem was on your end. I think it was on our end. Anyway, sorry about that, Stan. So that's okay. I I didn't notice anything. Oh, so we we did. I'm sorry about that. No, nah, it was right. like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> it, it was it was our. Fault. I had to, had to rip the headphones off. Uh, about it one. was pretty bad. Now, Stan, we're talking it's about. Usually, it's usually my content that's nailed like chalk on a chalkboard. <laughs> Uh, you know, hey, you 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 no, said not, it, not, not me. True, not you true. said it, not me. I'm just kidding. Um, now we're, we're talking about that, and Stan, you sent me a text that Major League Baseball was embarrassed about the hats. That, that's not actually what we're talking about. We're talking about these City Connect jerseys. Yeah. Um, right. Do you think that the Orioles need to do something like this to reach out to the city? Because l- let's be honest, the fan base is dwindling. Yeah. They're not playing good baseball. They haven't won anything in five years. They haven't won a World Series in 38 years. They need to find a way to gravitate this city back to this team, and if they aren't going to do it on the field, they have to find another way, right? Well, well, these jerseys and hats, the idea is is not local at all. I mean, in other words, it's the, it's the corporation of MLB that's coming up with the idea that we need to connect locally. So it's the league that's doing it. Um, I like the idea of the jerseys. I find that I found the hats. I just read that article the other day. You know, I, I guess it's really inside for people to think that putting three area codes on the hat is <laughs> really going to turn people on. You know, nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. If if you Google like clip art crab, it's like yeah. the exact crab they put on the hat. It's it's literally right. clip art. And then, and then the Edgar wow. Allan Poe, yeah, not great. Uh, you know, picture of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. really idiotic. But the jerseys, yeah. look, the NBA has done this, uh, you know, like the, the Golden State Warriors have an Oakland jersey and they've got a Golden State jersey. Mm-hmm. And the Oakland is sort of their local, you know, because they were actually playing their games in Oakland for the past 15 years, I think, you know, during their great years. So MLB, I think, is on the right track doing some of these these things. I I personally like that uh, the nickname 
weekend or whatever it's called, you know, uh, or the social media weekend. I think it's Players Weekend, I want to say. Fans fans Weekend. Fans Weekend. It's Players Weekend. Um, You know, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they definitely need to do some things to connect, you know. Uh, MLB has been kind of asleep at the switch. And at least the effort is being made, which, you know, you can't say in the past was always the case. Well, and, you know, I'm moving towards looking at the Orioles now. Your city wants to connect with your, with, with your team. They absolutely do. And when your team is bad, when they're god-awful, like the Orioles are right now, it's really hard to connect. You don't want to wear their shirt. You don't want to wear their hat. You don't want to have to have the conversation with, oh, why are you wearing that? This team, That team's terrible. Uh, right. So, and, and with that in mind, the Orioles right now, Stan, they've lost 10 games in a row. They've lost 17 out of 19. Yep. Is this, aside from 1988, the 0-21 start, is this the worst run of Orioles baseball you've ever seen? It's it's right up there. You know, the other night I almost, uh, on the post-game uh, Zoom presser, I almost said to Brandon Hyde, because I looked around the room, and Rich Dubroff is the only one that covers the team on a daily basis that's in my ballpark age-wise, and I almost felt like saying to Brandon, Brandon, I'm one of the only people here that survived 1988. It's it's not really that bad yet, but it is it's gotten very ugly very quickly. Uh, very, uh, you know, it's, you know, look, when you, when you take the gamble that the Orioles have and Mike Elias has to tear something totally down and, and, and try and rebuild it, um, you know, there's, there's certain gambles you make during that time. And I think the biggest miscalculation, if I had to give Mike uh, a grade, is his is his choice to spend so little on the pitching? You know, I do those power rankings every week, and last week for some reason, I was really almost daunted by the numbers. I wanted to see how much the Red Sox started out. I said, you know, the Red Sox are they that big of a surprise? And I looked up how much they spend on pitching this year, and not including Chris Sale, take his. Take his $30 million out of the equation. The Red Sox have a 56 to $57 million invested in their pitching staff this year. The New York Yankees have $100 million invested on their pitching staff this year. The Toronto Blue Jays have $50 million in their payroll uh, for, for the uh, pitching staff. The Tampa Bay Rays, hold on, guys, hold on. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are uh, spending $50 million, mm-hmm. and the Orioles are spending $10 million on their pitching. Um, I don't think it takes a genius to see how much difference, different this season could be if the Orioles had spent 17 or $18 million. You know, that's the difference between getting maybe one or two starters that might have allowed Zimmerman and Kramer and those guys to all be in the minors at the beginning of the year and not try and press them into major league action as starting pitchers. Well, and one of the one of the difficult things here is basically getting the Orioles to spend money at all. 
because they lost that year. They're not having a ton of attendance, even with the announcement that they're going to go back to full capacity here starting in June. Uh, they're not going to draw. They, they might as well have stayed at 11,000 yeah. fans because they're really, not going to draw that every night. I really think the club made a, a very serious miscalculation there. I think the demand for Oriole baseball right now, and this doesn't mean it's permanent, but the demand for tickets on on the local level here in Baltimore is such that I think that they should have they should have slow boated going back to full capacity, and they could have easily yeah. done that by saying that hey, we're we're being extremely cautious. Uh, starting June fifteenth, we're going to go up to twenty. 22 to 25,000 or something mm-hmm. like that. And then kind of made it normal to go back to games in late July or August. You know, I think right now what they're going to have is this full capacity potential and it's going to look embarrassing to me. Well, that's, and it that's, do- how I, that's how I think it's going to go unless there's some type of major de- desire for people to just go out to a ballpark uh, this summer. Uh, and who knows, maybe I could be reading the tea leaves wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Well, I do know that at my at the restaurant that I work at, for example, we're getting a lot yep. more people in because they're just yep. excited to be able to go someplace and not have to wear their masks and be able to get back to a, some kind of sense of normalcy. So you could be right. right along those lines, but I'll tell you, Stan, it certainly hurts the Orioles' calls that they announced that they're going back to full capacity yeah. while the team is in the midst of one of the worst stretches of baseball that we've seen in 35 years. And that's saying something, considering yep. how bad this team was from 1998 to 2011. Um, yep. And with, with that in mind, Stan, is there any help on the horizon? We saw Tate come back. We know Hunter Harvey's coming right behind him. Kyle Bradish got promoted to Norfolk, but he just got promoted there, so it's probably a while until he gets back. All the starters, Zach Lowther, Alexander Wells, Michael Ballman, they're getting lit up in the minors right now. Is where's there any Bo- help? Bowman pitching. I was looking when I knew you were going to talk about this. I was looking and I didn't see his numbers in Norfolk. He he uh, he well he he made a he made a rehab start. It was either Delmarva or Aberdeen, and oh, then okay. Delmarva, and, yeah, Delmarva, okay. and then he then he made his next rehab start for Bowie, and he gave up like four or five runs yeah. in two innings. It wasn't good. Okay. Um, okay. So he's still in the rehab. I think he should be up to Norfolk soon. But he, Wells, and Lowther were supposed to be this next wave of pitching that was going to come this year, and they have all been yeah. just awful to start yeah. this year. Yeah. Well, it's it's unfortunate, you know. Uh, look, every team in baseball, there, is, there was nothing positive about the pandemic. But for teams like the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Pirates, it was sort of especially bad. And I want to include Kansas City in there because they sort of expedited their. Uh, they they had to rebuild by by bringing in some real players, you know. So, uh, uh, but for the Orioles, this really hurt them. The fact that Lowther, Bowman, uh, you know, and you can say when it when it sort of suited the narrative that well, they had the uh, the alternate site, they were there and they were competing against. Nothing's like the the real competition of. Uh, of playing a minor league season, you know, at the level that you're supposed to compete at uh, with peers that are, you know, supposed to be at that level as well. So it's not altogether that surprising that these guys all all are uh, struggling. Uh, I would look for them. 
hopefully to to pick pick things up quite a bit this uh, this uh, as as the weather warms up and they get more into the season. But there, but oh, to get back to your question, what what help is on the horizon? There isn't that much right now. No, nothing immediate. Um, the the good news is, you know, the good news is sometimes you don't. You can't fix a problem until you know you have a problem. And we've been leaning on, like, Usnail Diaz and Hunter Harvey and, again, Alexander Wells. Their names have uh, become synonymous with this next wave, and they're all looking just absolutely terrible right now. You know? Yeah, I mean, that, that... So what I mean is, you know, it might do them some good to, to just not even have their names being bandied about, you know. That kind of leads that kind of leads to my question a bit because I think you're going to see a lot of fans, especially you know in the next coming months, maybe even now, that are starting to say, you know, uh, let let's start questioning this whole thing. Where is the rebuild actually going, Stan? What is your confidence level in the rebuild right now? Obviously, we see the minor leagues on fire. Every team is doing very well except Norfolk, but individual players are also having very good seasons. So that where does that leave your confidence in this rebuild right now? Well, I, I still have I still have strong confidence in in the the overall rebuild. Um, I just think that given given what had happened here, and I don't expect Mike Elias to be a historian in Baltimore and really have come in and understood what the Freddie Gray riots did, you know, to uh, to the suburban white people coming into the city to go to ball games. I mean, it really, it really hurt this city in a lot of different ways. You know, there's no question about it. And I'm not detracting from the actual, what occurred that caused the riot. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible look for our city. And a, a lot of people are just not comfortable coming into the city. But having said all that, that's all the exterior stuff. I'm, I'm very confident in Michael Elias is building something sustainable here. Uh, we're just going through a really horrible patch again of, of Oriole baseball. Yeah, it, it's certainly been, been frustrating. And at the at the forefront of it, Stan, <clears throat> is the catching fiasco that the Orioles have. Pedro Severino, uh, he's batting, what, 230? Chance Sisko's batting 140. We have, 10, we, have 10, we have 10 RBIs from our catching. They're, not they're, a, they're just, not, I don't even think we have close to a home run from either one of them. They're, they're just Pedro Severino has one home run. Yeah. He, he hit it at the home opener, opposite and, field. Yeah, yeah, and he he, he hasn't done anything since. Right. And Chance Cisco is barreling up the ball two percent of the time. He's two yeah. percent barrel. I, I read the other day. Uh, Ryan Blake actually posted this on Twitter <clears throat> that Chance Cisco has hit only two balls as of this period of time over ninety five miles per hour, which is horrible. Yeah, horrible. That's really, that's really horrible. I, I, I think I could hit one seventy-five miles. <laughs> they they uh, definitely. I touched the bat to the ball. They they uh they post the same guy posted something on Twitter the other day. It was all the guys who had ninety plus exit That's velocity, what exactly what I'm exit, talking about. exit velocities yeah. like six, five, four in the series alone the against series. the Twins, and Chance Cisco had four for the entire season. Was it four? Okay, it was, yeah. it was four for the entire I've season. Never, I've never seen a player. You know, you talk about players taking a step forward. I've never seen somebody that was at a baseline of being a solid hitter that needed to make certain adjustments yeah. that got it all wrong and has taken like five steps backwards. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost 
like the old Three Stooges where they say, I won't need a volunteer to take two steps forward, and the rest of the Army takes two steps back. Um, that That's what Chance Cisco's look like. I've never seen a player before my very eyes in, in like a two-year period become so almost worthless as a baseball player. Yeah, yeah Stan, the other day uh, on the broadcast, Jim, uh, Jim Palmer said that the Orioles are really throwing Cisco back there to catch right now pretty often. I think he caught two days in a row at that point, and, and Palmer said, you know, out of necessity, because Pedro Severino literally can't catch the ball. Is that how bad it's gotten that they need to play a very, very well below average catcher defensively in Chance Cisco because Pedro Severino is that much worse? Well, Severino's catching. You know, I I, I hate to say, you know, I, I'm I'm 69 years old, guys, and I'm a little bit old school. I sit in these zooms and I I hear the questions from from really solid reporters, and I understand that those guys have deadlines that they're working on a story angle, and they want to get a quote about that story angle to write their piece and then go to bed. I'm there in a different capacity. I asked I asked Brandon Hyde about three weeks ago in one of the press conferences, and I made sure it was before a game, not after a game, and I asked him if he was happy with the way his catchers actually catch, catch the baseball. And he went into, I expected him to kind of blow it off or something. He said he thought about it, and he said, you know, I actually am and he goes, this is a topic I could talk about for hours, you know. And he started talking about how the whole pitch framing thing has has gotten catchers more focused on sort of how they're supposed to catch a ball that it looks better for the umpire. You know, it's funny. There's another name for pitch framing. I call it cheating. Okay? <laughs> um, and that's why I am so – I cannot wait until the day that the electronic umpire is calling yeah. the balls and strikes at home plate. I think it is, without a doubt, the worst part of baseball, because as Brandon pointed out, and I watch a lot of games in capacity with my following my fantasy players, it's, an, it's, a, it's endemic to, to baseball catching now. The Orioles just happen to be the very worst at it that I've ever seen. Um, and it's just staggering to me. And they'll bring up Austin wins, because I know you were going to ask about that. And he is hitting well. And I remember Terry Crowley about five years ago told me that he'll, one day he'll make a good backup catcher in the major leagues. But I will tell you this. I would love to have seen the Orioles just pay to bring in one of these defensive catchers. Yeah. Jonathan LaCroix, Jeff Mathis, who just was let go. Jonathan, Jeff Mathis can't even out-hit uh, Chance Cisco, but at least he's like a savant yeah. at catching. And I wonder, I compare the relationship between a catcher and a pitcher to the relationship between a jockey and a horse. And I would love to see what this pitching staff was like if they had somebody in that caliber that was catching yeah. them and calling the game. I have very little confidence that Pedro Severino and Chance Cisco are helping to make the pitching better. Well, Stan, and I'll tell you, you mentioned the pitch framing. I was watching a game the other night, and there was a pitch that was a strike on its own. Yeah. It was a strike. And Cisco caught it, 
and he brought it up. I, I, he tried to frame the pitch, and he brought it up a full foot. Yep. And the umpire undoubtedly saw him do that and called yep. the pitch a ball. Yep. Because of how much Cisco moved, it was it was egregious. And because of how much Cisco moved his glove, the pitch right. it was a strike on its own gets called a ball. And Stan, you actually asked Brandon Hyde. I was listening to the post game the other day, and you asked him a very good question that I was actually surprised at Hyde's answer. And it was the last question of the press conference. You said. Are you getting tired? Something along the lines of: Are you getting tired of seeing your catchers allow the extra base because they're not yeah. blocking I balls? Him, I, I said to him, I said about three weeks ago, I asked you this catching, and at the time you were, I said, is there something I'm missing? I said it's just like time and again we're getting we're giving away bases. It was the game where the Orioles had taken the lead on DJ Stewart. And the relief pitcher, and I forget who it was. Was it Cole Sulcer, or I forget who was who was the no? It was Tanner Scott, and Tanner Scott walked the leadoff hitter after we had taken the lead, and then one pitch later, the guy was in scoring position because of a Severino botching a, a baseball. Yep. I mean, yep. And he defend he defended, and he he is right. Tanner Scott is probably the hardest guy on the staff to catch. But catch is one thing. There's also keeping a ball in front of you, okay? Yep. I watched Mike Zanino. He doesn't have pass balls on tough pitches to catch because he, he, he knows how to put his body in front, of, in front of the baseball like a hockey goalie. You know, the mentality is you're a hockey goalie. You can't let the puck pass you, okay? It's oh. not, a, not every hockey shot is easy to glove. Or, or yep. stick safe. You got to get your body in front of it, and our catchers don't do that at all. I watched Pedro Severino on a fastball in the dirt the other day try and backhand the ball, and it was over the. It, it bounced it's over the, the middle of the plate. Try to backhand it on one knee. Just awful. Awful. Absolutely awful. awful. It was awful. terrible. Now, Stan, we gotta we gotta get a break, but before we do, I have one last question for you. John yes, Means, sir. Trey Mancini. Anthony Santander. These are all guys who are going to be big topics of trade conversations here in the next five to seven weeks. Who's getting traded? I don't think they'll. I I, I just don't think there's any way, shape, or form they can trade John Means and and sell it. Yeah. You know, uh, I just don't see that at all. Um, I, I hear Glenn Clark talk all the time about Mancini and he his his talents, as talented he is that they're kind of a redundant talent to other teams. I I don't totally agree. I think Trey is such a special player uh, and person that it transcends that. I'm just really hopeful that, that they really think long and hard about that because I think the team, and, and I'm very aggravated the other day, I heard, and I know I only got a minute, but I heard that Mike Elias was going to be doing a Zoom you know, in the afternoon, and I wasn't able to be there. And I heard some of it, and I found it it slightly insulting to baseball fans. And he was sort of explaining the, how a, a rebuild works and all that. The fans kind of understand that, you know, at the, at the gut level. They know what we're going through. What they want to know is, is every good player right now just fodder to be traded? And it would do so so much for this organization right now, just even if they announced that we're going to explore extensions with Trey Mancini 
and John Means. Santander, to me, is a different story. There's no question the Orioles are better when he's healthy compared to G- DJ Stewart and Austin Hayes, who who's another story uh, already uh, with his injuries. Uh, but I, I, Santander, I'm not sold on, is, is a long-term piece here because of, A, his health and his on-base percentage still is seems to always be shy of 300, and that's my bottom line litmus is you got to be about 315 or more for me to want you unless you're a shortstop or second baseman. No, yeah, I think Anthony Santander is kind of the the oil that makes his machine go, and I think that's been apparent as far as the offense has been concerned since he's come back from the from yeah. the injured list. But I also think that with he basically has three and a half years of control left. I yep. think that, that he's the most likely candidate to get traded, and then Trey Mancini. Stan, we got to catch a break. Thank you so much. Have a great long weekend, all right? Okay, you too, guys. Bye-bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment here on the Battle Round. And if you're missing your Stan the Fan Charles fix, Stan has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom, hopefully not much longer, right. uh, every Monday night. Uh, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with former Orioles shortstop Mike Bordick, while Stan and Gary caught up with Towson football coach Rob Ambrose. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. No Monday, no Monday show this week due to the holiday, but on Wednesday you can catch Stan and Gary chatting with Gabby Galday ahead of the Belmont Stakes. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't! Let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We are coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here with the Bat Around. we got to get a break. When we come back, we're going to have Vinny Duber of NBC Sports Chicago. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota and Bel Air Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, so. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Kyle, too He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel they take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall 47 foot big screen 40 hd tvs extensive beer selection big eats in venue gaming bowling and more the perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers they're raising the sports bar at sports and social maryland come see for yourself book your table at sportssocialmd.com that's sportssocialmd.com must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I'm your host, Paul Valley. Joined with, by me, join, joining me, as always, can't get the words out, is Zach Goodman. On the line right now from NBC Sports Chicago, we have Vinny Duber. Vinny, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. We appreciate you joining the program to talk a little bit of uh, White Sox and the Orioles series and White Sox as a whole. Now, Orioles and the White Sox, two teams right now headed in opposite directions. How would you rate the White Sox season to this point? I mean, I think you, I think folks should be pretty happy with it if, if you're a White Sox fan. I mean, they're a first-place team. Uh, these were kind of the expectations coming in, and granted, those expectations are a lot bigger. They involve winning the World Series, which obviously we're not going to figure out whether they meet those for a while now. But um, to be one of the best teams in the American League, to be among the contenders, that's what the idea was when this whole rebuild was uh, launched however many years ago. Uh, and to, to see them doing that in the spite of two major injuries to, to two of their, not only just starting outfielders, but two of their most important 
bats. Uh, to see them doing this without those two guys is, is really impressive. Well, it, it's pretty amazing, really, when you think about the fact that they're missing Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. Uh, nobody has really gotten off to an incredible start. I mean, the, the, the production is there in the home runs and RBIs by um, Jose Abreu, but his batting average is 40 points below his career average. And... Tim Anderson's in a three for thirty slump right now. This is a guy who finished first or second for the AL batting title two years in a row. How are they getting this done offensively? Is it all your mean Mercedes? <laughs> uh, for a while there, it was right. Uh, I think he was hitting over four hundred for a good stretch of the season for a bit there. But uh, no, I, I think it's you know the baseball players like to talk about kind of that you know it's a new guy every night. It becomes a cliche a little bit. But sometimes for teams it's true, and, and that really does seem to be what the White Sox are leaning on right now when it comes to offense, because for a vast majority of the season, they've been one of the more productive teams around. Uh, they, they had the best run differential in baseball for a little while there, and you know I think obviously some of that has to do with the pitching. But you know the runs are the runs are there. They're 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 scoring. They're they're getting offensive contributions. There have been guys who have been having, like you mentioned, nice seasons, not great seasons, uh, and I think that really what that does is points to the future and says, well, can you imagine if some of these guys get really, really hot in addition to just, you know, a, a rookie having a nice two months like Mercedes has had, can you imagine what happens when Tim Anderson does what we know Tim Anderson can do, what Jose Abreu does what we know Jose Abreu can do. Uh, they need a bounce, uh, a bounce back season from Yohan Moncada after what he did, uh, went through last season with COVID, and they're getting it in, at least in terms of his on-base percentage, which has been fantastic. So they've got a good rookie in Andrew Vaughn who, who is hitting the ball pretty well right now, even if some of the numbers aren't showing it. You know, just watching him every night, you can tell that he, he's getting a hold of some pitches. So, uh, yeah, it, it really is kind of an up, up, you know, top to bottom kind of team uh, effort that they're getting in the offense department right now. Well, I, I... I, for one, love Andrew Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad he's at the big league level because I think it's a big league bet. And before too long, he's going to be one of the best hitters in the American League. He's he's a special talent, and I'm so glad he's at the major league level. Now, you brought up the pitching, and it's been phenomenal. It's been no- nothing short of spectacular. Lance Lynn leading the majors in ERA, Car- or leading the American League in ERA. Carlos Rodon would be making a, p- a case for comeback player of the year, if not for Trey Mancini. Dylan Cease has been remarkable. Uh, and this is before you even talk about Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, who haven't gotten on track yet, but their track record suggests that they will. Uh, how good can this team be when those two guys get get into that road to get going in that rotation and the offense picks it up another step or two? Yeah, I mean, I think more more than the bats to me when it comes to whether you can win the World Series or not, it comes to the starting pitching, and the White Sox have gotten that so far. I mean, two months in, they've got one of, if not the best, rotation in baseball. Uh, certainly guys like Giolito and Lynn and, and Dallas, who you mentioned, is off to a slower start. But, but Giolito and Lynn are two guys who you think they can go out and, and throw a complete game shutout every time they step on the mound. And really for a while there, and, and still to this moment, Carlos Rodon has fallen into that category as well. That's been a huge surprise. Uh, nobody knew what he was going to be able to do. Nobody knew if he was going to even make the rotation when spring training started. Uh, he won that job running away 
Uh, and, you know, he's been terrific so far. Obviously, he's got the no-hitter, but I think it's everything around the no-hitter that really gives you a lot of confidence that the White Sox can have a deep enough rotation to not just make the playoffs, to not just win the division, but to win playoff series and go really deep in October. Because when you can throw a starting pitcher on the mound where every night the team is confident that they're going to get the job done, that's that to me is the most essential ingredient for a championship, and, and that's what the White Sox are trying to do. Hey, Vinny, it's Zach Goodman. You just talked a little bit about the, the starting rotation, but the bullpen has also been uh, you know, pretty solid for the White Sox this year. And a guy that never even saw any minor league time, he was drafted in 2020, that's Garrett Crochet. Obviously, this year he has a .71 ERA, but his FIP is 3.12. He's, only, uh, he's giving up almost 10 hits per nine. His strikeouts is a little bit over 10 per nine, but... What have they seen from Garrett Crochet so far? Is the ERA at .71 a, a good indicator of how good he's been? And is there any sense that the, the, the FIP is, is not where they want it to be? Uh, I'd say yes and no. It's been a pretty mixed bag for Garrett so far this season. Uh, a lot of White Sox fans are confused because they saw a guy last year with hardly any games under his belt in the college season that he pitched. Uh, you know, I think he threw one or two games before that was shut down by COVID. Uh, and then he goes, you know, he gets drafted in the first round. There's no minor league season, no minor league games for him to play in. So he's basically just faced a few guys at the alternate site. They call him up, and he's blowing big league hitters away with a 101-mile-an-hour fastball. That's, that velocity has not been there so far this year, and White Sox fans are seeing a different pitcher than they saw last year. Now, granted, he's still throwing pretty darn hard. Yeah. But uh, it's a guy who everybody thought was going to be this, you know, uh, superhero out there on the mound every time they put him in, and that hasn't materialized materialized yet. The thing you've got to remember is the White Sox want Garrett Crochet to be a starting pitcher in the long term, right. maybe as soon as next year. And so to have a guy who is maybe trying to learn how to pitch more so than just throw a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, mm-hmm. and he might be doing that on the fly in games that are really important for, the, for a White Sox team trying to win the World Series, and this might be what the evolution looks like. Now, if the if the White Sox want to get over that hump and they want to, and, and I think that they are the team to beat in the American League. I've thought that since the offseason, watching what they've done and watching how young and talented that team is. But if they want to get over the hump, I do think eventually they're going to need to address the fact that they're missing Eloy Jimenez and um, Luis Robert. Now the Orioles have a couple of guys in Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini who can both play the outfield. <clears throat> excuse me, who can both play the outfield and hit in the middle of your order and help you not skip a beat by missing these guys. Have the White Sox had internal discussions about this, and do you see them potentially reaching out to Baltimore over the next six or seven weeks? I think the White Sox approach to the trade deadline has been uh, you know, interesting from the perspective of White Sox fans because they see Aloy Jimenez go down in spring training, at the very end of spring training. They see Luis Robert go down in early May, and they're wondering, all right, where's the move tomorrow? You know what I mean? Where's the replacement tomorrow? Now, when Aloy got hurt, they decided, you know what, we're going to ride with our guys. We're going to give in. We're going to put Andrew Vaughn in left field, position he's never played before, and we're going to give some guys some opportunities at DH. Well, your mean Mercedes took that opportunity and ran with it. Andrew Vaughn's been pretty good in left field, and so all of a sudden that problem was solved. But then you throw the Robert one on top of it, and you know you're right. It's it's something that they're going to have to address. The thing was, it was early in the season, and you know maybe now, as the summer months approach here, maybe now you're going to see a little bit more wheeling and dealing because you know they're they're in, they're going to be in a pennant race, and they've got to try 
to do the as much as they can. You bring up Mancini, I think that would be uh, a terrific spot to look. I mean, he's he's a very very good hitter, and he's that kind of the hitter that can make the kind of impact that the guys that you lost made. Uh, if I were uh, if I were Rick Hahn and 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 the the Orioles uh, were out there, I would definitely give him a call. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I want Trey Mancini to stay in Baltimore, but. The writing's on the wall. The Orioles are the worst team in baseball. They've lost 10 straight games. Uh, You're going to get a ton back if you trade Mancini at the deadline. And he's pushing 30 years old. He's a guy who you put him in that lineup with the Chicago White Sox and you just watch them take off, uh, I I think. Now, another guy, and we talked about a little bit earlier in your segment, is Tim Anderson. He's mired in a 3-for-30 slump. They, They gave him the day off in that first game of the series against the Orioles. Amazingly, that 330 slump has lowered his batting average to 287, uh, which is still a darn good batting average. Uh, what have you seen from him during this slump that's caused him to falter a little bit? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I really do think it's just kind of one of the stretches of a baseball season that, that gets magnified because they're neg- because it's negative or, be, you know, other ones get magnified because they're so positive. You're talking about your mean Mercedes. Certainly he would fall into that category. Uh, but, you know, Tim Anderson is has proven – over the last two years, that he is the guy that's going to hit 300, right? I mean, he's not. This is not a fluke. This is a, this is a guy who, you know, three years ago he was a 240 hitter, and then he goes out and wins a batting title, and he really just kind of hasn't stopped right. since since then. And I mean, you you look. I, it was so funny. I think you. Were, I was watching the first Cactus League game they played this year, and like right off the bat. Tim Anderson, boom, just knocking singles to right field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it really looks like the guy didn't have an offseason. Like, he was just, it's just another day. Here we go. I've been doing this for the last two years, and this is just what I do every day. He's an incredible hard worker. He is a spark plug for that team at the top of the lineup. He gets them going not just with the bat, but with, with what he does in the clubhouse and in the dugout as a guy who's kind of energetic. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Billy Hamilton, the famed Base stealer is, is is on the White Sox bench this year, and he, you know, has never been known as a hitter. And he admitted to us that you know that bothered him. He didn't like it that that you know people didn't think he could hit. He showed up with the White Sox, and Tim Anderson told him, "You're a hitter. You got to start hitting." And he's telling him this every single day when they work. So whether the results are there or not, it's made Billy Hamilton reframe the entire way he thinks about himself as a baseball player, and it's all Tim Anderson's doing. I'll tell you, the results were there for Billy Hamilton the other night with that base hit off Tanner Scott to give the White Sox the lead. So he looks like a hitter to me right now. Um, now, before before we let you go, Vinny, we got to address the elephant in the room, I guess, so to speak, and that's Tony La Russa. Um, a couple of weeks ago, your mean Mercedes homers off Williams Astadio on a 3-0 pitch, and La Russa comes out and he says uh, he shouldn't have done that. There's going to be consequences. Then Lance Lynn comes to the aid of his teammate, and again, Larusa says, well, he has a locker, I have an office. That looked like strike two. Is there a sense that the whispers about his being aged out of today's game were true? How have the White Sox recovered from that? Is it much ado about nothing, or is there, is, is there something to this? Uh, I think there's two there's two elements. There's what's going on on Twitter, or you know, in, in, the, fan, in the stands at the ballpark, and there's what's going on in the clubhouse. And I think 
in the clubhouse, yeah, it's much ado about nothing. These guys have come out and said how much they appreciate the way Tony lets them run the clubhouse. Tony has said from day one, by the way, that the most impressive thing about this team to him has been that clubhouse culture and what was built before he even got here. Um, it's really strong, and it's going to take a lot more than just a manager pointing out kind of a, a bit of baseball etiquette to you know shake a clubhouse that has been together for a lot of these guys throughout this years-long rebuilding process and are very clear on what their goals are going to be. Now, if you're somebody who cares about what the public relations view is, then, yeah, it's not the greatest because the fans, in general, from what I can tell, uh, feel differently about Tony La Russa. But, you know, as they say, winning cures all ills. And I think as long as they remain a first-place team and in contention for a championship, um, a lot of this is just going to be part of the story and not the story. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, winning cures all, and the White Sox certainly are winning. So, Vinny, thank you so much for taking some time on a Saturday morning to join our program. Have a great rest of your season. Thank you, guys. You have a good one. You do the same. Bye-bye. That was Vinny Duber from NBC Sports Chicago uh, joining us on the program to talk about the White Sox, the Orioles, and the White Sox series. I really do believe that the White Sox are going to be the American League representative in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I don't really look at another team that would be a great competitor for them. I mean, you look at a team like the Yankees who are ultra-talented, and, you know, I, I don't trust the Yankees to get to a World Series. I, I don't think if I'm a Yankees fan, I mean, if you look at a lot of the teams that are really, really talented, they're just not seeming like World Series contenders like the White Sox to me. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think they are maybe the Rays. You know, the Rays have been playing really well. I think they, you know, being there last year, they could be that team. But the White Sox are probably the top of the pack right now. I'll tell you right now, the Yankees can't pitch with the, White, with the White Sox. No. And they... And, 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 and it's weird to say this about the Yankees because overall they have a good lineup. Yep. They can't hit with the White Sox, I, I, especially when they get going this summer. I, I remember the last time the Orioles played the Yankees, there were about four or five guys who were batting under 200 in that lineup. You have yeah. a guy like Aaron Hicks who have paid over $100 million to who can't even stay on the field right now, and when he is, he's batting under 200 again. So, yeah, I mean, the Yankees are one of those teams that are so ultra-talented. They're so ridiculously good. But I don't see them as a World Series contender like I do the White Sox. The White Sox are built from bottom to top. You look at a guy like Carlos Rodon, who has had some really rough seasons, now bouncing back and becoming one of the better pitchers in the American League, if not the best right now. It's it, it's a recipe for success. It's crazy because nobody talks about Rodon yeah. for the Cy Young. Everyone it, just talks about Giolito. They, they, they talk about well, well, but they talk about Garrett Cole, John Means, John Means now, um, Lance Lynn, Giolito to, to a certain, you know what I mean. Nobody talks sure. about Rodon, and he's having the best season out of all. Because he's really, and I mean, he's an unknown quantity because he was a first round pick. He was a high, I think he was drafted sixth overall, fifth overall, very high. But he's been relatively bad for the first few years of and his he's career. Been hurt. And he's been hurt. So this is the year where he's really found, you know, that, that first round talent. And I think uh, White Sox fans are appreciating it. Yeah. And look, that White Sox team is so good. It they, is. They, 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 they are so good. And if they add a Trey Mancini, and yeah. look, I think they're going to call. The, the Orioles might not I, like I what they have to offer, I, I, but I, I think they're going to call. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Yeah, I can't you, imagine. you have to do your due del- yeah. diligence. Imagine Trey Mancini, and, and I don't want Trey Mancini gone. But if, if there's any place I see him go, that's you know, it's he's, he's, I won't hate him on that team. That's he'll for be sure. thirty years old next year. He has a right. year and a, he has 
he's arbitration eligible this year, arbitration eligible next year, and then he's a free agent um, after the 2023 season. Yep. The Orioles, look, you don't want another Manny Machado situation. Yeah. And if you're not going to extend him, hey, look, if the Orioles extend Trey Mancini, because there's nobody to replace him. I will him, be extremely pleased with that. I, I, I'd be pleased with that yes. because, look, he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear despite his age. We're, we're, we'll get to that. In Orioles banner, we we will we're going to talk about all that and more. I just want to remind you, Great Eights memorabilia has so many great events coming up, including private signings with Joe Flacco, Anquan Bolden, and Jonathan Ogden. Coming June twenty seventh, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota, where you can meet Justin Tucker, plus live music from Joey Harcum and Dave Teeth during the day. A cornhole, a cornhole tournament, dunk tank. And more. And on Ju- July 25th, the return of training camp party and crab feast featuring Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Find out about all of these events and get your tickets right now by going to greatatesmemorabilia.com. That's the number eight with an S. Greatatesmemorabilia.com. We got to get a break when we return the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit DEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, 
bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the Battle Realm here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Once again, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am Paul Valley, and with me is Zach Goodman. And now, you know, I just said screw it. I'm, I'm cutting off the music. <laughs> My bad, everybody. We got limited time, so uh, it's, yeah. it's good. So now, guys, it's time for the payoff pitch around the league. Now, is his name David Boat or David Bodie? David Bodie. David Bodie, okay. A fifth-inning David Bodie homer was all the scoring the Cubs needed as Albert Alzale tossed five and two-thirds shutout innings and the bullpen allowed just two hits to shut out the Reds, one to nothing. Alex Verdugo hit a fifth-inning three-run homer to break a 2-2 tie and Martin Perez allowed two runs and five solid innings to lead the Red Sox to a range-shortened 5-2 win over the Marlins in six innings. In another range-shortened game, the Blue Jays pounded out 11 runs on 15 hits, including seven for extra bases to crush the Indians in seven innings, 11-2. Casey Mize tossed five shutout innings to outduel barely. Garrett Cole, who tossed six innings of one-run ball. And Robbie Grossman hit a walk-off two-run homer with two out in the tenth to lead Detroit over the Yankees 3-2. Fernando Tatis hit a game-tying home run in the eighth inning to push the Padres and Astros to extra innings. And after both teams scored a run in the tenth, San Diego exploded for seven runs in the eleventh to beat the Astros 10-3. Whit Merrifield had two hits and three RBIs, and four other Royals contributed multi-hit performances to back Chris Bubik's six solid innings of one-run ball as the Royals down the Twins 8-3. Sean Mania tossed six and two-thirds innings of one-run ball, but the offense waited until he was out of the game to take the lead for good, and reliever Yasmero Petit vultured his seventh win. Seventh win in, by the end of May. He gets an unbelievable workload. Like this guy pitches so often. Twenty six games. Yeah. He he vultured his seventh win out of the bullpen this season as the A's beat the Angels three to one. Tyler O'Neill and Nolan Arenado each homered and drove in two to chase Madison Bumgarner after four innings, and the Cardinals took down Arizona eight to six. Kyle Lewis homered, doubled, and drove in two to help lead the Mariners to their fourth win in five games, the three to two victory over Texas. This is a crazy one. Trailing 5-2 in the ninth, the Dodgers took advantage of a miscue by Mauricio Dubon at defensive replacement second base to put two runners on, and pitch hitter Austin Barnes hit a two-out, game-tying three-run shot before Albert Pujols tried to end things with a walk-off homer of his own, only to be robbed at the, fa- at the fence by Mike Talkman. The Giants have scored three runs in the tenth, two coming on a pinch hit double by Evan Longoria to beat the Dodgers 8-5. Buster Posey hit a three-run homer, his tenth, in the victory. Mm-hmm. The Orioles and White Sox, Rockies and Pirates, Braves and Mets, and Brewers and Nationals were all rained out. 
All but the Braves and Mets will play doubleheaders on Saturday. And with that in mind, what's on tap for today across Major League Baseball, my good man? All right, 12.05. Ah, good man, good nah, man. That's a good man, one. Uh, 12.05, two of the league's worst teams, but not the worst because that's the Orioles, the Pirates, and the Rockies. They'll go to battle. 1 p.m., interleague matchup, the Phillies and the Rays. 2 p.m., we've got the Brewers there in the DMV to face the Nationals at Nationals Park. Jay Happ will take the hill for the Twins as the Royals are in town. Two vets in Matt Harvey and Dallas Keuchel to the rubber in Game 1 of the O's Chai Sox doubleheader. Game 2 will feature John Means and Lance Lynn, and the time is to be determined on that one. Uh, it'll probably be you know 30, 45 minutes after the first game. Uh, the Reds will face the Cubs at Wrigley Field as the struggling Luis Castillo looks to bounce back. At 4 p.m., it's Game 2 of the Rockies-Pirates doubleheader. Former Orioles pitcher Alex Cobb starts against Oakland and Frankie Montas. A marquee matchup of the Astros and the Padres as we get to see the ace U Darvish. The Jays, they'll visit Progressive Field to play the Indians. Trevor Rogers has been lights out, battles Nate Avaldi as the Sox go head-to-head with the Marlins. Yankees rookie D.V. Garcia will take the hill against the rebuilding Tigers. At 7 p.m., Game 2 of the Brewers and Nationals doubleheader here in the DFV. A legendary matchup between the Dodgers and the Giants once again. An NL East matchup between the Braves and the Mets. It's Walker and Anderson, two very solid pitchers who have done a great job this year. Um, big ta- I'm a big Taiwan Walker fan. I think he's a great pitcher. Um, 10 p.m., another appearance of Seth Frankoff, the greatest name in baseball, as he battles Adam Wainwright in the D-backs-Cardinals matchup. And finally, the Rangers there at T-Mobile Park to face off against the Mariners as the last game of the night. Did you mention all the doubleheaders? Yeah, I believe I, ne- I mentioned all the doubleheaders. Okay. Unless one of them had be to be determined and I missed it. But I had I what I do is I go on to the, the probable pitchers page gotcha. uh, for the next day, and that's that's what I saw. So hopefully we, we mentioned all the doubleheaders for you. But, yeah, that second doubleheader between the Orioles and the Chai Sox, you know, you La- that's La- a big game. Lance Lynn and John Means, that's an incredible ace matchup Probably right there. a game that deserves to be nine innings. But you know, yeah. nobody wants to listen to me when I say double, seven double header, seven inning double header shouldn't be a thing in Major League Baseball. We we could get two complete games there. I mean, these are two guys who could easily go seven innings. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the Orioles are going to snap their losing streak tonight Ooh. in that second game well, uh, look, because John Means is going to throw a complete game and they're going to win. I, that, I, I and would, they're they're going to win shocked. that game three to one. They got they got to score start scoring some runs if they want to win the game three to one. But yeah, I agree with you. I think three I think, three's not a lot. Three's not a lot, but it is for the Orioles. Well, especially against <laughs> Lansing, the but the, the Orioles are going to find a way to win that second I, I, game, I and the right. way that they're going to find it is John Means is going to throw a complete game. I I would not be shocked. I mean, John Means is still you know lights out, so I I yeah. would not be surprised. You're looking at two of the top top ERAs in all of baseball going off head to head. Lance Lynn, John Means tonight. The first game, ugh. Matt Harvey. Yeah. If he makes it to July with this team, I'm going to be shocked. I don't think he's making it through June. I would not That's be, what I'm I, saying. Oh, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if he didn't make it through June because, look, I mean, maybe it's Chris Holt being out. That could be part of the reason that yeah, Matt he's Harvey's been... been yeah, that, that, that could be part of the reason Matt Harvey's been so disastrous, but this does not look like the same pitcher. Disastrous. This is disastrous. Um, this looks like a guy who is the, the version of Matt Harvey we knew when he signed with the Orioles. I mean, this does not look like the, the spring training Matt Harvey or the Matt Harvey that was had a you know sub four ERA in, you know, before his last what, four stars or so he's been he's been basically blowing up everyone. So he's yeah. been awful. He's he, been he he's won been three awful. straight starts, his ERA went all the way down to three sixty and he has been his ERA is up to six, almost six and a half. He's right. been awful. I, I think the, the time where he faced the Mets was the time where he really started to to give up everything. Seven was, runs in yeah, two innings. Right, that was impossible to look, watch. Look, we we, we got to get to Orioles banter here, and look, you can't talk about the Orioles rebuild without talking about the the trades that got it started in 2018. Yeah. Before we do that, 
I don't want to rob you of your moment in the sun. <laughs> what's my What's my moment in the sun? I, I want to let. I'm not you sure go, I'm aware of I wanna, this. I want to let you go off on Chancisco. It's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. I the, think I've already. I, I mean, I think I've already done it enough. Um, you You told me that you wanted to. That I, you were like, I, need, I can't wait to go off on I him. Need to, I need this to, is your time. I need to do more. Look, Chancisco, not a major league baseball player. He is no. simply not a major league baseball player. And and I tweeted this earlier in the week. But look. The Orioles are not going to do anything that they can get better. They are a horrible team who will lose a lot of games. But one thing they can start to do to get better is to get rid of Chance Sisko. Maybe Pedro Severino, too, because he's not a very good player either. But that's that's a separate conversation. This is about Chance Sisko, who's currently batting around 150. His OPS... 143. Yeah, his OPS is around 430, which is horrendous. His war is a negative war, of course. Um, he's producing absolutely nothing at the plate. People say, oh, but he walked in 2020. I'm going... I don't care if he walked in 2020. He's not doing it this year. He's not helping the Orioles in any fashion. He's a horrible defensive catcher. He's a horrible offensive catcher. What are we still doing with Chance Sisko on this team? I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to, you know, it, it's nothing personal. It's just that the Orioles need and deserve, fans deserve a better performance from their catchers than what they're getting out of this right now. I can't imagine Austin Wins would be better and it would be worse in any single part of the game. It, uh, it's just, you can't imagine. I'm going to tell you right now. I think the main reason that Chance Sisko is still on this team and the main reason that he's gotten so much playing time this week is because they've reached their point. They, they, they've, they've reached the point, their breaking point, the Orioles as an organization, where they're like, look, we're going to give him playing time this week. Yeah. We're going to see what he has. And if it doesn't get better, he's done. They're in, they're in Chicago right now. They're, they're on the last leg of a three-city road trip. Yeah. When they get home tomorrow night, the first thing you're going to see on Monday morning is that the Orioles have ch- option Chance Cisco yes. and Austin Wins has been recalled. I, 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 am, I have never been more certain of anything yeah. happening in this season than I am of this happening. First thing Monday, Chance Cisco optioned, Austin Wins recalled. It, it's just frustrating as a fan. You know, we, we expect better even in a rebuild. We expect better than a guy who's going up there and swinging behind 90-mile-an-hour fastballs right down the middle. Chance Cisco is unfortunately I you know he, he was a great prospect uh, you know he hit very well in the minors I'm sorry it's time to go that's that's it you know Chance Cisco is no longer a major league baseball player and, and, and it sucks because you're talking about a man yes right yes. You're, you're, you're talking about a man I don't you're, you're wanna... talking about a guy who this is what he does for a living yes. so uh, the the human side of me wants to say man I really feel bad for this guy the yeah. fan of me and the the realist who looks at this team you can't keep right. Chance Cisco on the team. You, you, you can't. Again, and it's not a personal thing. Right. You, I'm, sure not, he's a, I'm sure he's a great guy. I actually know he's a great guy. He's not any good. Right. He's right, not right, any right. good. And it sucks to say that about another man. Yes. As a human being, I'm sure he's great. As a baseball player? Yes. He's not any good. It's it's nothing personal. It's just simply that the Orioles need to take another step forward in this rebuild. And if we're, we're trying, and, and this goes honestly, this is not only about Chance Cisco. There's a lot of players it's a whole, on the, this the, roster. So we many pitchers about. have yes. regressed in, in, yeah. from last year to this year, and you kind of expected it, but you also it's like, well, why were you so good in basically the same amount of games last year and right. this year? It's not like this is game one ten and they're tiring out. Right, they're fifty games in. Right, they're fifty games into this season. And they're this bad. Yep. It's it's 
What is happening? The, it, it, it's not only it, I. I make this sound like it's only Chance Cisco is not performing for this team, but it's almost basically well, almost everyone on this team is not performing. It's not. A, it's not really an only dig at Chance Cisco. You you have to look at this. And Glenn Clark asked me. And Glenn, they actually, Glenn and Kyle actually called me the mm-hmm. other day. Yep. Um, I had no idea that they were calling. They called. I'm, I was still laying in bed. Uh, uh, embarrassingly, still laying in bed at 11.30 in the morning. I had worked till like 2 o'clock in the morning the night before. But anyway, they called me and asked me if I could come on the show. I was like, sure. And Glenn was like, this. he, he basically called to be like, why does this matter? From your perspective, why does it matter? We knew they were going to be bad. Isn't it better that they're losing? Yes. If they get a guy like Elijah Green oh, in, in the draft yeah. next year, yes, it's, yes, this is better. And, that, and that's fine. You have a fan base that has watched 13 winning seasons since 1983. Right. 13. Right. Like, most teams don't have 13 losing seasons since 1983. Yeah. The Orioles have I mean, 13. When's the last time the Yankees had a losing season? I It hasn't been for a long time. 1993? Yeah, it's been I a while. I think it's been. Uh, no, that's the Yankees. That's comparing sure, apples and sure. oranges. You know what I mean? But you, at some point, you have to keep fan interest. You have to keep fan interest, and I get it that it's a rebuild, and this is what a rebuild feels like, and this is what a rebuild looks like. But no fan base should have to endure 10 straight losses right. and 17 out of 19 losses. The Diamondbacks are in the same boat right now. They are. They've, They've lost, lost 12 in a yeah, row. Yeah. They're in the same boat. They are another so they, horrible they, they, team. They, they feel our pain. And Look, you can't look at this rebuild. You can't look at this rebuild without looking back at how it started. And it started because the 2018 team won 47 games. Right. And even that team never lost 10 games in a row. Amazingly. That team never Their longest losing streak that year was nine, was nine years. So with that team in mind and the start of this rebuild, and we only have about seven minutes now, so I'm going to try and blaze through this, we have to look at the trades. Look at the trades. Yeah. The first one. This isn't the first one. We're going out of order here, but from smallest to biggest. Brad Brock. To Atlanta for international bonus slot money. They didn't use that money. Yikes! They they didn't get back in the international market until another year. That's had just passed. like training a guy to trade him, you know. Because it they was, almost felt like it had to. I it, guess. It, it was J two nineteen was a year after this Brad Brock trade. Yeah. That that money wasn't put to use that year. Uh, the next one, Kevin Gossman and Darren O'Day. Oh, I give that. Uh, I'm grading these trades. That, that trade was a D minus because you got literally nothing for Maybe Brad Brock. Maybe lower than that. F, you, F. You, <laughs> but I mean, it's Brad Brock, and he hasn't uh, yeah, been the same since he I left guess. here. Um, so it's a D minus. Um, Kevin Gossman and Darren O'Day to Atlanta for catcher Brett Cumberland, third baseman JC and Carnacion, left-handed pitcher Bruce Zimmerman, right-handed pitcher Evan Phillips, and international slot money. Again, that money wasn't used. Cumberland having a solid start to Triple A season, he was slashing 273, 392, 439 with an 832 OPS entering Friday at, uh, as a DH and catcher. 392 OBP is highest on the Norfolk roster. J.C. Encarnacion batted 233 in parts of three minor league seasons with the organization. He's basically a backup player at 23 yeah, years old in Bowie. Um, Bruce Zimmerman, he's in the Orioles rotation. Yep. He just threw five solid innings of one-run ball against the, uh, against the White Sox the other night. He has a back end of the rotation ceiling, right? So the jury's still out on that one. Yep. Evan Phillips, he spent the majority of his Orioles career riding the shuttle between Norfolk and Baltimore. Yep. He can never seem to consistently throw strikes. Good, good stuff, but the command is lacking. He, he, no command at the big league yeah. level. Meanwhile, Kevin Gossman is arguably the front runner in the National League for Cy Young Award. Um, Darren O'Day still a solid reliever, but he's had issues staying healthy. Yeah. Uh, look, if we're going to grade this trade, it hasn't fully played out yet. I'm giving it an F. 
I'm giving it an F based on what Gossman has become and the fact that the best-case scenario of this trade for the Orioles is a backup catcher and a number 5 starter. For a Cy Young pitcher? I would, yeah, I mean... It's an F. He, he wasn't a Cy Young pitcher for the Braves, so that makes it a little better. You know, he's, but we, he's a Cy Young pitcher for maybe the Giants, but... Fourth I, overall it, pick it, in the draft. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, the talent was there. Everybody saw this coming, and it, it's it, maybe not the, this long, but... The F really should be for the Orioles' pitching development and making Kevin Gaussman, you know, taking him from a top prospect into someone who really never developed that well in here in, in Baltimore. So... Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't totally disagree with you, but I, I'd maybe put it like D plus, you know, yeah. somewhere around there. It's not very good. This is in sure. high school, so we don't give out E. <laughs> we don't, we don't give or out e. F. All right, Zach Britton to the New York Yankees for Dylan Tate, Cody Carroll, and Josh Rogers. Dylan Tate, he's turning one of the Orioles' most reliable relievers, and his ceiling is sky high as relievers. Many have noticed yeah, some of the he, best stuff on good. the roster. Now he wasn't great in his return. He got two two quick outs and then couldn't find the strike zone. Yeah. Um, Cody Carroll been lit up. In his chances in the big league club, posting a 13.74 ERA in 18 career games in the majors, all with Baltimore. Currently sporting a 10.38 ERA with Norfolk in five games this year. Uh, Josh Rogers, he's had Tommy John surgery since joining the Orioles. That's the second Tommy John surgery in his career. In eight games of the big league club, 8.65 ERA. In yeah. Norfolk, 0-3, 7.79 ERA, 15.58 whip. But he's averaging just 1.6 walks per nine. I, I saw Josh Rogers the other day when I was in Norfolk, actually, and everything was hit hard. Um, didn't miss many bats. Definitely pitches to contact. But, yeah, did, I, I don't think he walked a guy in that start. So, um, you know, he, he's just kind of a soft tosser. Doesn't have great stuff. but um, he And he's made one start, I believe, for the Orioles at some point. Did not go very well. Um, yeah, so if, if we look at this trade, I mean, for me, I would say this is probably... D, D minus, um, certainly not an F because I think Dylan Tate is going to be a, a solid reliever at some point for the Orioles. Um, Cody Carroll throws very hard, no command at all, even worse than Tanner Scott. Yeah. And then Josh Rogers, I don't see being much of a factor for the Orioles in the future. Um, so yeah, D, D, D minus. Josh, Josh Rogers is one of those guys who is a spot starter at best. It, it, like, he, like, it, a, like a Thomas Eshel, maybe. If they, bring him, if they bring him up, it's like when they brought up Luis Ortiz, the, uh, yeah. the original mm -hmm. Luis Ortiz a couple of years ago, where it's like, what is he doing up here? He right. already an Right, and then he, another and then guy acquiring these trades. By the exactly, way. which we're about to get to. But I give the trade a D. It's doubtful you're ever going to find a reliever to replace Zach Britton in Baltimore. No, uh, no. Dylan Tate can be good, but he's the, he's the only hope for this trade not being a complete and utter failure. And when you look at what the Yankees got for um, Chapman when they traded him in his final year of his contract to the yeah, Cubs, Glaber they got Glaber Torres. Torres. Now I got into an argument with a guy the other day because I don't think Glaber Torres is that good. Uh, he's a horrible defender. He's a, um, he's he's a, a horrible baseman, defender, not and, a shortstop. And his bat has fallen off considerably the last two it has. years. He only um, plays well if it's against the uh, the Orioles, unfortunately. But it's only he's only 24 years old, so that, yes. that remains to be seen. But I give the grade a D, and that's because you can really only hope for Dylan Tate to make it out of this. Uh, Jonathan Scope to Milwaukee for Jonathan VR, J.C. Carmona, and Luis Ortiz. VR had one of the most exciting seasons we've seen in Baltimore over, lot, over the last five years. Uh, he highlighted that 2019 season by hitting for the cycle. That season, it priced him out of Baltimore, and he was traded to Miami for prospect Easton Lucas. Carmona is no longer with the organization. Luis Ortiz was god-awful. We just mentioned him, and he's no longer with the organization. My grade for this trade, didn't mean to rhyme, uh, C-. minus, And it's a C- minus because VR was more than a suitable replacement for Scope. You can argue that he was better. Yeah. You can, he, you can it, make it, the argument it, that he was better. Scope was not very not a very good brewer. Um, Scope has now turned it around with Detroit, but he was not a very good brewer. Well, so yes, it, Scope's about a two fifty hitter with a two with a twenty five homer season. Yeah, uh, he had yeah. that one monster year with with Baltimore, but seventeen. 
but but VR made watching that 108 loss team oh, yeah, in 2019 sure. not completely gut wrenching. He and Trey Mancini. He put up a 4.1 WAR that year. Yeah, he. Oh, uh, yeah. It, I loved I mean, he, that year from yeah, VR. He, and the, he was the Mets are seeing what we what we saw and what we loved from Jonathan Definitely. VR. Um, look, with Ortiz and Carmona no, no longer in the organization, makes his trade not great. Easton Lucas becoming a quality big league pitcher will go a long way in making this trade worthwhile. But right now, it's not looking good for the Orioles. And then finally, Manny Machado to the L.A. Dodgers for Yusniel Diaz, Dean Kramer, Ryland Bannon, Zach Pop, and Bravik Valera. Diaz was centerpiece of the trade. He's yet to play a full season at any affiliate. He suffered injury after injury. He's yet to play his way to the Major League roster. And guess what? He's hurt again. Yep. Uh, Dean Kramer showed a ton of promise as a rookie in 2020. His Major League debut, one, hits, one hit allowed to the New York Yankees over six innings. Seemingly regressed this year, can't locate, causing a demotion to Norfolk. Ryland Bannon, he's on the injured list in Norfolk right now after suffering a strained oblique, but was batting just 175 at the time of the injury. At this point, he seems like little more than a utility infielder at the big league level if he ever makes it. Zach Pop could have been such a good reliever in Baltimore. Nah. The, or- the Orioles decided that, you know, with the injury and the fact he hadn't pitched above high A, that they weren't going to protect I, him. And I he- was sure that he would have been in return by now. I, I'm very shocked that he's pitching as well as he has. It's For a guy who coming off Tommy John, who's never pitched at the AAA level, I am shocked at how well he's pitching. Yeah, and, and look, he gave up seven runs in his first four appearances, but since then he's flourished. Yeah. One run over his last 11 outings, a .68 ERA. He's never coming back. It's amazing. He, he, it's he's, amazing. Ne- he's never I, coming back here. Um, then Bravik Valera, he was a utility infielder. He spent 12 yeah, games with Baltimore. He hit 286, yeah. but um, he's now in AAA with Toronto. The grade for this trade is a big, fat, freaking F. This is such a bad trade. At the time, we're like, yes, Neil Diaz, they gave him $15 million to sign with the Dodgers. This trade is awful. It is Diaz should be in the major leagues right now. But yes. he can't stay on the field. He should have been in the major leagues last year, he, to be he, fair. He he can't stay on the field. Right. If they put a full year last year, he would have gotten hurt. Yeah. I have no confidence he will ever. No doubt. He, he'll play for this team. He's not a difference maker. He will never. I, you can quote me on this, and you can throw it in my face if I'm wrong. He will never amount to anything in Baltimore. And again, this is a man. And I don't like to say that about another man. Yeah, I don't want to disparage this guy. But you're a baseball player. On a, the, the, is the centerpiece of a trade for arguably the best homegrown player in yes. the history of this franchise. You need to replace him, and you're never replacing Manny Machado. He is never going to be that impact player that Machado was. He might be a, a mediocre, everyday player if he can stay on the field. He is never getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on limit. He's so, never getting there. I actually disagree with you to some with uh, at, at some point here. I would give this trade around a C- minus because I do have a lot of belief in Dean Kramer. I do think Dean Kramer is going to be a solid pitcher for the Orioles. Um, I think he's going to have to work through a lot of the things that have made him Learn bad to throw year. strikes. Learn to throw strikes, sure. But I, I think in the long run, Dean Kramer is going to be a piece for this team. Um, and that alone puts it at you know maybe D-plus, C-minus level. Um, as far as Yusniel Diaz goes... I don't have a lot of hope anymore after this last injury, especially that Yusniel Diaz is going to be a meaningful piece for the Orioles. But all the tools are there. If he can stay healthy and he puts it all together, I think he will do something. I don't know how much of a contribution he will have, but it's it's definitely not. It definitely is not the trade we thought it was going to be. And Ryland Bannon, unfortunately, just hasn't been able to hit. Um, he will do something. He will do that, something. That's an F. Maybe, maybe. That's, uh, when the centerpiece of your trade for the best homegrown talent in the history of the franchise is somebody who 
will do something. Well, that's an yeah. F. I, I don't think we know yet what we have. No, we know. With, with we have an injury-prone player who has not made it to the major leagues yeah. in three yeah. years of yeah. being with this organization. I mean, his minor league track record so far in the Orioles organization has been Terrible. bad. It's been really bad. He's a 260 um, hitter at best. And, and the defense, from what I've heard, and actually from what I've seen in person, hasn't been the best either. Um, maybe the arm is, is, is definitely the best of his tools right now. But yeah, if he can't stay healthy, I mean, there's not going to be much there. F. Uh, the trade is. I can't. I cannot more, believe. I'm a little more optimistic. Than you I cannot this. believe you gave this trade a C minus. In two I, years, I, if Kramer is what we expect yeah. him to be, this trade's a C minus. But the fact I, that the centerpiece isn't on the major league roster and can't stay on the field, yeah, big fat freaking f. I mean, I think he's the centerpiece figuratively. I don't know if he's the centerpiece literally, um, because Dean Kramer, again, he might turn out to be a, a very solid major league pitcher. Until he's not, I, I still have optimism in this trade. Um, now, uh, Paul is going to be getting uh, Jace, uh, uh, Jason Lock at Fora on the line in just a second. But if we talk about some of these other trades, you know, um, the Dylan Bundy trade, I think this is going to work out very well for the Orioles. Um, you look at Dylan Bundy right now and, and who Dylan Bundy is as a pitcher. He looked like an ace in 2024, the Angels, and now he's pitching to a, a really, really awful ERA. He's been pretty bad for the Angels and certainly not the ace that people thought he was in 2020. And the the Orioles were able to get back Kyle Bradish, Kyle Brinovich. Uh, they were able to get back Isaac Matson and Zach Peak. Um, and now Kyle Bradish has been a guy who, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people really knew his name when he came over on this trade. But a lot of Orioles uh, talent evaluators now think he's up there with Grayson Rodriguez and Deal Hall talent wise, and that he is going to be a very solid pitcher for the Orioles. Um, you know, maybe maybe in a few years, maybe 2022, 2023. You look at a guy like Kyle Brinovich, he's a two-pitch pitcher. The command always isn't there, isn't always there, I should say. But he is another guy who has a lot of potential. Zach Peake is very young, um, another high-round draft pick who could turn out well. And Isaac Matson could be an impact reliever at the highest level. Um, we saw him in the majors a bit this year. He hasn't been so good so far. Um, but again, I, I think the Orioles will win that Dylan Bundy trade. Then if you look at you know the, the Miguel Castro trade, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Smith is pitching extremely well down in Bowie right now. He's a one point. 06 ERA. And then finally, if you look at the at the Michael Givens trade, Michael Givens has been fine with the Rockies so far, but Taron Vavra has been tearing it up. His OPS is near 1,000. And then you get a guy like Tyler Nevin, who just got called up to the majors yesterday, who looks like he is a plus bat with plus power. So I, I think the Michael Elias trades to set this rebuild up have been a lot better than the Dan Duquette trades to set this rebuild up. These, the trades, the jury's still out, but the trades that you just mentioned, they are maybe even jump-starting this rebuild a little bit. Taron Valver, Taren, yes. Valver's he's a, a stud. He he's a, a hitter. Stud. Kyle yes. Bradish already already promoted. Isaac Madsen thinks he's going to be a solid big league reliever. And so, and we do have Jason Lockenford waiting on the line. And before we get to him, real quick, just to just to close this segment, it's where does this rebuild stand? And and I, I look it's at behind. it. They're behind because they lost a year. Yes. 2022, and, and I heard Jason on the radio, he said that this is a 110-loss team this year, yep. maybe a 105-loss team next year. Maybe. Hope not. May, I, I, God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. But I really do believe that this rebuild is going to come to fruition. Maybe not worlds, definitely not World Series, but a, a very competitive team yes. in 2023 for one reason. Adley Rutschman. And, and Gunnar Henderson. And the, well, Jordan well, Westberg. And the, but the, 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 those guys may not be here yet in 2023, yes. but Adley Rutschman most certainly will be, and right. they're not going to have him on their roster and not surround him with talent. 
to contend. To, to finish out this segment as well, I want to say that the, the majority of talent the Orioles have is generally at the bottom of the system right now. It's in yep. Bowie or lower. You know, we're seeing a lot of the reinforcements come up from AAA, like a Zach Lowther, um, like a Dean Kramer, like a Bruce Zimmerman, and they haven't pitched that well because that's the, the, the guys in Bowie, the guys in Delmarva, the guys in Aberdeen, those are the real excellent prospects that are going to make the changes for this team and turn this team around in 2023. That, that's, what I, that's, that's what we have to look forward to. And with that in mind, the man on the line, Jason Lockham 4, has seen a lot of these guys play already this year. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Hang on. What is it? Jason, we got you? I, I got you. You got me? Yeah. Are you, are you having the same difficulties Ooh. that we are? Um... I heard the show better before when I was on hold than right now, but I can still hear you. So, I mean, as long as my audio is not terrible, I, I, can, I can hear you guys enough to chat for sure. Yeah, I think we were having an issue with the mics, but I got it figured out. Hopefully you can hear us a little bit better mm-hmm. now. Now, Jason, okay. you, you, were, uh, you were listening to us talk about the state of this rebuild, mm-hmm. and you said on the radio, and I heard it several days in a row, that A, the Orioles need to trade Trey Mancini. Yeah. Um, B, they're a 110-loss team this year, probably a 105-loss team uh, next year. Is there an end in sight to, for a team right now that has lost 10 straight games? I, they haven't done it the way the Royals have, and the Royals play in a much easier division, obviously. But I think if you pay any attention to the Royals, <coughs> and, excuse me, what their young pitchers, how their young pitchers got whacked around last year, that's what I think you're going to see from D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez and those guys in 2022. It'll be a team on the come. It'll be a more exciting team. You'll be losing more with guys who are going to be here three, four, five, six years from now, but it's still going to be tough. It's still going to be kids cutting their teeth. Um, the Adley Rutschmans, uh, I do think, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question that Jordan Westberg at some point in 2022 is in the major leagues. Um, I, I think the pitching staff will be John Means and a bunch of young guys. Uh, I think some of the kids who are struggling in Norfolk right now aren't going to be major league starters anyway, and probably, frankly, never were. But which ones start slotting into bullpen rolls? I think you will have 2022 a year where you can see something congealing that makes sense. It's not a Frankenstein roster. It's not a whole bunch of placeholders. It's not who can we get off the scrap heap and maybe flip for two international prospects. It's about creating as many innings and opportunity for kids who are a long-term part of the plan. But that's going to come at a price in the standings as well. And then I think you look at where the Royals are right now, where, oh, wow, uh, Brady Singer's not a joke anymore, and Chris Bubich is, like, really, really good, and Jackson Kowar is starting to get it done at AAA. And that's where I think the Orioles are um, in 2023, where it's July and they go on a three-game losing streak, but you look at the standings and you're like, well, damn, they're still only six under. Like, if they got hot again... I think it's that kind of thing. Um, and then after that, hopefully now we're talking about contending. But but obviously this division is no joke. I mean, <laughs> go watch the Durham Bulls any given night and watch Wander Franco at short and Vidal Brujan at second. Tampa's not going away. Um, you know, Bichette and Guerrero Jr. are not going away. Uh, the Red Sox haven't even really started spending yet, and the Yankees are the Yankees. So it will be more difficult. I'm not going to lie to people and sugarcoat it. Uh, but I believe in what these guys are doing. I believe in it strongly. And I heard you talking about the trades. And, and it, we don't know the full outcome of those trades, but I love the direction of all those trades. And I love the idea as much as I hate talking to my kids about it and 
as much as it sucks on every human level, if if you can trade Trey Mancini for two or three things that you think at least one of them has a you know ninety percent chance of helping you long term at the major league level, and one a seventy five percent chance, and one is a fifty fifty dart on some nineteen year old in a Dominican academy somewhere, I'm down with that because Trey's not going to be here in twenty twenty three because it doesn't make sense for him and. It doesn't really make sense for the for, for the O's, and it's not anybody's fault. I mean, the time to approach Trey Mancini would have been before this year. I mean, there's an obvious reason why you wouldn't. You know what I mean? He's coming back from cancer. You don't want to insult him. You don't want to make it look like you're trying to buy low off of a medical situation. Right. He's not really going to go to you because he doesn't want to sell low on himself, and no one knew exactly how this was going to go. And now we're approaching... The middle of the season, we're six, seven weeks from the trade deadline, and he's leading the major leagues in RBIs, and there's nobody else on the team who freaking hits a lick. He's a one-man army. And you got outfielders and first basemen dropping all over the league because we're going from 60 games to 162, and how do we fill the void? He's a professional human being. He's a professional hitter. He's a professional first baseman. He's a functional left fielder. I'd like to see him in the outfield showcased a little bit. When he comes back once or twice a week, and he's he's probably the only meaningful tool they have left of the guys they inherited who's ready to sell now. At some point means down the road, maybe. At some point Santander, down the road, maybe. But he hasn't played enough this year, and he's still controllable enough that you could still make a nice deal for him a year from now if you really do feel good about all these young outfielders. Paul Fry, I mean, you'll get something for him, but I think this is a meaningful chip that they have to play. Well, and with Trey Mancini, look, there's nobody to replace him at first base. You can you can tell me Ryan Mountcastle, but you're not going to convince me that he's the answer at first base. I think he's destined to be a DH throughout his career. Actually, so, the, the metrics right now do say he is an above-average uh, first baseman, but I don't know if that'll hold. But, but I mean, they're going to lose 112, 15, whatever it is, with Trey. Right. You yeah, know what I mean? For so, sure. like, what's the... What's the difference if Ryan Mountcastle was reacclimating the first base on a team that's going to lose 67, 68% of the games they play? Oh, no. Trust me, Jason. I'm with you. My question is, what do you expect in return for Trey Mancini? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to just give him away. Um, right. that's, that's not the idea here. But like I said, if you can get someone who's double-A or higher who you feel good about being a regular major leaguer, might not be Trey Mancini, but somebody who might be able to be a regular major leaguer on a contending team or a contending-ish team, and then a B prospect, and, and then, you know what I mean, a flyer on a teenager who you really liked when he was 16, but you, you know what I mean, you, you didn't sign him in Houston, and you're just getting into the international thing now. I, I think a package like that, I don't think you're getting a top, I don't think you're getting anybody's top one or two prospects. You know, right. you're not getting anybody's top pitching prospect. You're not getting anybody's top uh, position player prospect. But, I mean, I look at the Yankees. I see, you know, I see a lot of interesting pieces from for kids who I've seen play who I really like who aren't necessarily their top one, two, or three um, prospects. And I think you could do that for a number of teams. So, um, I have faith in these guys that they know what stones to to turn over because their history would show with the deals that they've made already they weren't getting they were, a lot of times they're not even getting guys who are in the top 15 in, in some cases what barely the top 30 from these other organizations and so far albeit only at the minor league level for the most part the returns look pretty good well and speaking of the minor league level Grayson Rodriguez just got promoted to double A you all were calling for it on on 1057 all week, basically. Um, 
you're looking at Jordan Westberg. He's probably mm-hmm. going to get promoted soon. Same thing with Gunnar He'll be Harrison. up by Monday unless he gets hurt. I, I can't imagine well, he's uh, not, from what I've heard. The last nine games in which he has a hit, and he has multi-hit performances. He's been an absolute stud since joining this organization. Now, with Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and Adley Rutschman now at the uh, now at Bowie, do you expect to see all three of these guys in Baltimore in 2022? Uh, I, probably. You know, I don't know if all at the same time. I mean, at this point, I think, and Adley's just scratching the surface. I mean, I, honestly, there have been more of Adley's at-bats this year that I haven't liked than I thought, you know? Um, right. And that might just be me putting too much of um, a ceiling on it or expecting something every time. But I think he, he's, he's, he's swung from his heels, and, and he's kind of uh, gotten out of his approach a couple times every week, and you'll see a three-strikeout game, a two-strikeout game, but the genius is in him is that he immediately recalibrates, and he's on base three or four times the next night, and he's just hitting the ball where it goes, and he's starting to pull a little bit more naturally. Not trying to pull, but I think he kind of was, was falling a little bit into that rut, and Gunner does sometimes, too, of, well, I'm going I'm to hit this ball 420 feet opposite field. Watch. Um, which is great, and, and they do it, and, and at times they do it with ease, but at times they force it, and then you know they play into the pitcher's hands, but these are these are kids, so um, yeah, I think Adley will stay in Double A for quite some time because a it's not exactly he's he's tearing up the league in terms of his eye, right. but he's not tearing up the league, uh, you know, in, in in terms of like his slugging percentage and things like that. Uh, but yeah, he's he's walking a ton, he's getting on base a ton. Um, when he does make contact, there's power involved, but he's not making as much contact as I think he would like, and he's striking out probably more than he would like. So there's no rush there, but. You know, and they're going to want him to catch these kids a lot. And if you if you pay attention, a lot of times, if 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 it's a quality pitcher, Saturday and Sunday, like he'll catch a Kevin Smith and then catch again on Sunday because that's tended to be DL Hall's day. Um, not that he's not getting time at DH, and not that he's not you know not getting arrested first base sometimes. But you can see that there's an investment in him specifically catching. You know, certain kids, Bradish, whatever. You know, Ofelki Peralta's day. I mean, I love Ofelki Peralta, but, you know, David LeBron's day, I, I don't think it's as much of an emphasis. So, yes, I think he'll be with those two for a while. At some point, will he be in AAA this year? I, I, I mean, Norfolk stinks. Bowie's probably going to the playoffs. I, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know that he needs AAA. I can't see him not. I don't know what the service time rules are going to be. You know what I mean? None of us know the CBA. And the, the, the season might not start on time, yada, yada, yada. But I think he's here next year. Um, I think at least one of those pitchers probably starts in the rotation, and if one doesn't, he's probably here sooner rather than later. Yeah, that, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I think that maybe with how good DL Hall has been, and with how good Grayson Rodriguez has been, how good you expect them to continue to be. I think they both have a legitimate shot. Uh, at this rotation next year, especially when you consider the fact that the Orioles don't want to spend a ton of money in free agency, and they probably yeah. won't be players in free agency no. until 2023 or 2024 um, at the earliest. And the, I like what you said about about Rutschman, how he's kind of swinging from his heels. He's still having really great at bats because this is what we saw when he started when he, when he went to Aberdeen two years ago, and then he, yeah. uh, by the end of his time in Aberdeen, he's tearing the cover off the ball, and I think yeah. you're going to see a similar progression at Bowie this year, and I agree with you. He probably doesn't need Triple uh, A Now, Hudson Haskin, he yeah. was taken in the second round this year by the Orioles, kind of has a Hunter Pence um, look to his swing. He's batting three fifty three. seems like he gets on base two or three times every night. Yes, he does. Is, is he getting promoted sooner than later? Uh, look, I think the top, the top five hitters in – 
Delmarva's regular lineup, I think at least four of them are, are, are they need to be in high A. Uh, but it's a juggling act, you know, because not all the kids in high A are ready to go to double A, and you, you really, you know, you'd rather not be releasing kids right now, and, and it's a bit of a figuring out act, just because some kids, you started too low, right, and we're and are too far advanced, it doesn't mean that some of the kids, like two weeks ago, you would have looked at somebody like Adam Hall and said, uh-oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And now Adam Hall, I think he's been on base 12 times the last 10 games. He's got his six steals. Uh, he's got the average up to 270. I think he's batting 333 the last couple of series. They play these six-game series, you know, the last 12 games or so. Um, so you don't want to, you know what I mean? You don't want to say, oh, well, that kid's got to go this soon. So it's a bit of a juggling um act but yeah i don't think that i mean certainly by the 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 what i almost called it the south atlantic league the freaking whatever low a east all-star game i i think you know haskins is, is if they let him play in that game fine but i think he's he's promoted after that there there's there's too much good stuff going on there he he's too smart of a hitter i mean these sec kids i mean even servideo who doesn't make a lot of contact He's leading all the minor leagues in walks. He yeah. walked a couple more times last night. Yeah. Um, you know, of the five, I think he's the the one who could stay down there the longest. Uh, plus, they just have so many middle infielders. But yeah, um, Haskin. I, I think it's just a matter of of a numbers game and when they do it. Westberg will be up on Monday. Do they want to give Gunner another week down there? You know, maybe without Westberg behind him in the lineup, maybe just to play him at short, you know, five days in a row and see what that looks like. Um, sure, and he's 19, and these SEC kids are obviously older, but it's not going to be that much longer. Uh, J.D. Mundy, to me, has been one of the wildest stories of the Big whole organization. I mean, story. I knew nothing about this dude when I saw his name on Delmarva's opening uh, lineup, and and um, it's not just the numbers, like the overall numbers that he's put up, but there have been nights where they faced elite starting pitching. Guys who the first time through the order, Gunner and Jordan look overwhelmed, and, and then, like this kid, Daniel Espino, who I really like a lot, who the Indians took in the first round, a high school pitcher who was hitting 98, man, he hits 100 with ease now, and he struck out the first four Sherbirds the other night, and the J.D. Mundy took him like 420 opposite field. Um, uh, there's a kid, Curry, uh, Xavier Curry, who had basically, he hadn't given up a run all season. He'd struck out like 27 kids in like 15 innings. He's mowing everybody down the other night. And then Monday, Monday hits a double to the gap that scored one at Gunner should have scored two. He had a little bit of brain fart on the base <laughs> pass, but I, I can't see, you know, he's got an OPS of 1.2. Like, I don't know that much about him, you know, but. He would have been drafted somewhere if it was a normal draft. And, like, is he going to be in Aberdeen in another week? I, I don't see why not. Um, but Haskin, I think they'll probably wait a, a, a little bit on. Um, but, but sometime in June, at least three of those kids are up. And maybe Haskin, too. Maybe, maybe it's four. Um, they've got to have somebody ready to, you know what I mean, to fill those roles, too. And I don't know exactly what's going on down in Sarasota with extended spring training. And, you know what I mean, who they had earmarked for the Gulf Coast League, who, hell, you know, mm-hmm. let's give them a shot in Delmarva and see how it goes. But, yeah, I think that's coming. I think Joey Ortiz, who's played a real nice shortstop at Aberdeen, uh, and, and his glove, I think, frankly, could play in AAA right now if, if they really wanted it to. Yeah. I think you'll see him up in Bowie sooner rather than later. I don't know that Caden Grenier has a whole lot. I just, I, this organization, you know, this regime didn't draft him. And 
I love the kid, but it's been a real struggle for him hitting been, at been, all. Been and even his glove hasn't him. been as special as it was advertised. So, you know, I, I think some kids who they see as having a, a potential long-term future in this organization, I think they want to get them into the higher levels of the minors and start getting them reps there. And so I think Ortiz goes to Bowie. Maybe on Monday. Maybe maybe when Westberg goes to Aberdeen, you know, because I agree play Adam Hall still at short sometimes, but I think he ends up being a super utility guy. Like, I look at Adam Hall and I think of a smaller, faster Ryan Flaherty, right, with less power but more, but more contact. Uh, and, you know, he could play probably play six positions. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you start seeing the flow go up. Up there, uh, you know, going upwards, and then even Kevin Smith, you know, he pitched at Double A with the Mets, had success in the old Eastern League. I, I don't know that they need to see more than a couple of starts from him at Double A before he goes to Triple A, especially considering the the issues Norfolk's having getting people out right now. Hey, Jason, it's Zach Goodman, and I want to talk about Cody Sedlock for a minute. Obviously drafted 27th in yep. the 2016 draft. Um, started to look better at, at yeah. Frederick in 2019, put up a 2-3-6 ERA, but really struggled so far at Bowie so far. Um, what have you seen from Sedlock? Is he a guy who could play a factor in the Orioles' rotation at some point this year, or I, yeah. is he not? is he not there for you? I've never seen it with him. I saw his first start at Aberdeen. I saw a lot of his starts at Aberdeen. I saw a lot of his starts at Frederick. I mean, I remember watching his first start at Aberdeen and, and Keegan Aiken's first start at Aberdeen, telling tell, tell my kids that lefty that lefty's going to pitch for the Orioles. I don't know about. I don't know about the other guy. Yeah. Um, I, I just I'm a little surprised he hasn't been pushed to the pen yet. To be honest with you, although he battled for I think four and two thirds the other night and had better stuff than I've seen, but. The clock's ticking, uh, and they've loaded all the college arms they loaded up on are bad in trade is bad news for him, you know. Definitely. Um, even like Brenovich, like I, I, we were there Sunday. It was a storm. He gave up a leadoff homer, and then they can't play the ball on the carpet there. And there's four errors, and then he walks a couple guys, and next thing you know, it's forty pitches and it's eight nothing. But he's been really good outside of that for the most part. So, you know, a couple more starts from him, and then he's in Bowie too. And I, I, I don't know. Um, I think Cody said, like, if he's got any shot, is is maybe as a, you know, a, a multiple inning reliever, and and that's a numbers game, and they're juggling stuff there now, uh, but but I, I I'm not um, I'm not very bullish on him, unfortunately. There's a guy that that I talked to a couple of years ago by the name of Toby Welk, twenty first twenty first round pick. He's playing third base over there at, yep. uh, at, at Aberdeen. He holds a single season batting record. For Aberdeen, a three forty four in twenty nineteen when they were a short season team, he comes back there now as a high A affiliate. He's batting two ninety four with a three ninety two on base percentage, and this guy was a twenty first round pick out of a out of a division two. I thought it was division three. Division three, that's right. There is yeah. no division two baseball. Yeah, division three. Yeah, and does this guy have you seen him play? And what does his future look like? I mean, I I was very intrigued by him. Saw him a little bit in Aberdeen, and then. We saw the Shorebirds a couple times towards the end of that 2019 season because, you know, Adley got moved up. And I was really impressed by everything about his sort of confidence and awareness at the plate. You never know how all that's going to play as you move up the ladder. But, again, they're not – there were things that their analytics department saw in him that made it worth their while to take a flyer on him and – you're not going to have a super high batting average on kids, you know, coming from that background. But I, he doesn't seem overwhelmed in Aberdeen. He's probably a guy who I think it's fair to say may need a year, you know, a full year in each rung on the way up. But 
I mean, well, so did Trey Mancini, you know, so have a lot of people. I don't think he's got Mancini's power, and I'm not using that as a comp in terms of the type of player, but but just in terms of the the time of development that it might take. And Trey was coming, obviously, from Notre Dame, a much higher level than Toby. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued by him. He he. I know that the organization loves him. I, I've talked to uh, Matt Blood about him at times, and you can tell when they really light up about a kid. And this is someone who they really want to see succeed, and and I, I they they. He fits their model with the growth mindset and his work ethic and, and the cerebral approach he takes to his craft. So, yeah, he, I mean, some of these kids can just hit. You know what I mean? Like J.D. Mundy, I don't know much about, like, I don't know what position he could really play. It's a different sort of body type. I don't even know if he'd stick at first base. But he's just all over the ball. Now, he's got more power than Welk, but I, we had your mean Mercedes on the show the other day. I mean, I watched Mercedes. I mean, I saw him play a lot, a lot, and I would sit with my kids and we'd watch him destroy everything that was moved, and they'd be like, why isn't he getting promoted? And I'm like, well, he doesn't have a position. He's got a really weird body type. He's not very athletic. Like, he doesn't really fit the model. And he's going to go to the All-Star game. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing about Toby Welk. There's, there's not really a top third base prospect in this organization. I mean, you, you look at maybe Mason McCoy, maybe Ryland Bannon, but those guys, to me, uh, factor to be – utility guys, there's an opportunity, and somebody's got a season. Why not Toby Welk? Well, there is and there isn't, though, because, I, I again, I think Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson, like, yeah, no, if that's they true. wanted to call them up in September of next year, they could. Again, now I don't even know how the rules are going to work, but if the rules kind of work like they do now, whatever. One of them's going to stick it short, and one of them's going to third base. You yeah. know, And I think Gunnar's probably going to third base. So I think that's the other thing you have to look at. Like If you're doing an organizational chart, I wouldn't get so caught up in like the position they were drafted at because I mean there's a lot of th- this draft this year is loaded with high school shortstops you know what I mean and like yeah. they might take one and he might stay at short and prove to be better at short than Westberg or Gunner and so somebody's at second and somebody's in right or whatever those are all good problems to have but I-, I think they have kids you know what I mean who they think when we push comes to shove in 18 months or 24 months or whatever could play the third base position. You know, at at the major league at the major league level, and and I think they're gonna the way this. I mean, I don't know a ton about this draft, but when you talk to people about this draft, like there there's going to be a lot of middle infield prospects, who you know who could move to third, uh, who who they're going to be, you know, possibly selecting, uh, if not the first round, maybe the second round. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I'm not, a, I don't think Ryland Bannon is a going to be a kid who, um. I think they're going to look back at that Rule 5 draft and say, we, we protected some kids we probably shouldn't have, and Zach Pop, we should have, and everybody makes mistakes. Um, but, yeah, there there isn't anybody right now. I mean, Patrick Dorian, can he keep this up? I mean, I, I certainly hope so. That would be amazing. The average has dropped, but he's still hitting for power. Yeah. Um, he's still, you know, what he's doing at that level is really intriguing as a whatever 24, 25-year-old. Um yeah, I mean, McCoy, I think, if he gets to this level, is probably more of a stopgap second baseman because that's another area where, obviously, they don't have a whole lot going on at the high levels developmentally. Jemai Jones needs a long time there. Like, he's going to need time there, and unfortunately, you know, he's on the I.L. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I'm, I, he's one of the kids who you're not going to find on any, you know, top 30 list, but who I, I think um, 
could just keep hitting at each level and force his way up at some point. Yeah, and you know, I actually just had a brain fart of my own because I firmly do believe that uh, Henderson and Westberg are going to be on the left side of the Orioles infield here in a couple of yeah. years. Um, I guess I, I was thinking more so in the in the minors, in, yeah. in the minors, in the, in the immediate future, because yep. I think that Welk might get here maybe sooner, but you you never really know. Now we didn't get much talk of the big league club because let's face it, yeah. there's not much to talk yeah. about. They are what they are at this point, which is not a very good baseball team. Uh, so that's going to do it for the interview portion of this segment, Jason. But if you don't mind sticking around for an extra minute or so, we play a game here called Take to Rake, um, where we each pick a player that we think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles. And whoever has the most wins at the end of the year wins an award. We're still working on that, probably just a stupid little trophy or whatever. I think Um, we're all going to pick the same guy because it's slim pickings right now. Well, that's the thing. We can't pick the same guy, and you can't pick the same guy that our guest last week took, which you oh, would you, you would never pick this guy anyway. I, okay. I, I was amazed. Um, so last week, Todd Karpovich took Pedro Severino. Ooh, um, that's my cousin, first cousin. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, grew up two blocks from each other on, on Elwood Avenue, and if we could convince our wives to let us out tonight, we shall be drinking in Towson together tonight for the uh, first time since before the pandemic. Well, tell Todd I said hello. He's one of the yeah, hardest working men in Baltimore. That's yeah. Baltimore for you right there. There you go. So he took Pedro Severino. He did not win. I have to ask him about that tonight. Was he drunk <laughs> when you asked him? I, I hope not. It was 1130 <laughs> in the yeah, morning. Yeah, no, no. He would have had a game to cover. No chance. Wow, um, Severino. Bold, <laughs> yeah. bold strategy, Cotton. He played three games, went two for 10, uh, slash 200, 385, 300. He did not win. I'm um, not picking Pedro. I took Trey Mancini. He went five for twenty, uh, a double, a home run, three walks, three RBIs, slash two fifty, three seventy five, four fifty. Which this year usually that would have been good enough right. to win. I talked myself out of Anthony Santander oh, because baby bull. I talked myself out of him because I said Trey's there. I'm taking him. So mm. I gave Tony Taters to Zach. And he hits 423, 444, yeah, It is the biggest. Yeah, I think he slugged 700 over his yeah. last seven games. Seven, 769 yeah. uh, all, uh, over the last week, a hit in every game. Six doubles. This was the biggest blowout win of the year in Take to Rake by a wide margin. So as much as I would love to let the guests go first, Zach earned the right to pick first. So Zach, go ahead and pick. Uh, this Can is he, t- but he can't pick the same guy. No, no I, I cannot pick. Who goes I, second? Uh, I'm going to let you go second okay, because well you're the then guest. This game, I know. Okay. Well, go ahead. So, look, I mean, Trey Mancini, probably not going to play the next few days. Ryan Mountcastle, probably not going to play the, the next few days. i got to go back to Cedric Mullins. I know. I do this, like, every other week. Yeah, I, I, pick, him every I other basically week. pick Cedric Mullins every other week. But there is very, very, very slim options right now. So, Cedric Mullins is the guy for me. Well, I'm going Anthony Santander, even though I don't know yeah. who's protecting him in this lineup because I don't know when Trey's coming back. And I don't know when... Uh, when Mountcastle's coming back, I, I guess it should be probably measured in days, not weeks, because they didn't IL him. But yeah, I mean, he's he's. I think he has seventy four extra base hits in his in one hundred and fifty three games, going back to the start of twenty nineteen. So yeah, that's an easy one for me. Yeah, and that's a layup. You you said slim pickings, <laughs> man. You guys left me literally nobody. Uh, um, you've got some options. You have yeah. Chance Cisco. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jason, I said without a doubt, I've never been more certain of anything. He will not be in Baltimore by Monday afternoon. I think Wins is getting called up. That would Monday. be yeah, it's, uh, if, if, if Yeah, this feels a whole lot to me like Dwight Smith and like yes. May of 2020. Yes. And, yeah. It uh, feels a whole lot like uh, Rio Ruiz from two weeks ago. And, yeah, you can only – you yeah. can the, the the problem they're going to have though 
is like he still has options. So do they just DFA him because they're going to need forty man spots? Like not just, yeah. for, but also for the bullpen. Like I, I would that's th- the thing. I would think they don't right off the. I, I think optioning will be the smart move to have that depth. At but catch. then you got to do see something if... to get Austin Wins back on the forty man. Yeah, I, 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 I only I'm got not... two catchers on the forty man. I checked the other day. You could DFA uh, Brandon Waddle maybe, who was just optioned. You could possibly DFA him, get him yeah, off the forty man. Yeah, or Sean Armstrong maybe. Sean Armstrong. I, I don't know. Yeah, but you still need yeah. arms out there. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I think you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So right. For, so for my pick, I guess because he's the best of the rest. I, best I, of the I, rest. I, I got to take DJ Stewart. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to go Galvis. Freddie Galvis, Freddie Galvis, Galvis. No, no, no. Been pretty productive. Galvis burned me two weeks ago. I'm not. True. I, I, he he's got to earn my trust again. I, I I'm I'm going DJ Stewart. He's been pretty well over the last couple of weeks. He had a couple of home runs on this road yep. trip. I got to take him because he's going to get playing time. So, yep. Jason, thank you so much for joining the program. Always a joy to talk to you. Tell Todd I said hello when you see him tonight. All right. I will, and I'll ask him about that Severino pick. <laughs> yeah, please do. I was I was <laughs> I was taken aback by it myself. Hey, have a great afternoon. Thanks, you guys. Do. Enjoy your weekend. Okay, bye That was Jason Lockham for joining the program to talk some Orioles baseball. Really, we didn't talk Orioles baseball. We talked uh, Orioles minors, which Minor is what baseball. which is what I intended on talking to him about anyway, because that's what he knows the most about. Just we're doing it a little bit late, but I just want to remind you that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys called up with Orioles pitching prospect Kyle Bradish, legendary lacrosse coach Dave Pietramala, Navy football coach Ken. Oh, my God, they're trying to murder me with these names. Neo Matalolo. <laughs> Neo Mata. Lolo Close enough. and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Just do both reads. Okay. Uh, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. And the latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitz reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bull Smoker looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We're going to get a break, and we'll come back and finish out this show with a little bit of Orioles minor league news that just came out. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a great teaser, my good man. It was. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigance Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teef. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a pre premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Love that Glenn Clark radio music. Again, I'm going to get to hear it again on Tuesday when I'm... Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm are, guess, you, are you doing Monday and Tuesday? Or no, just Tuesday? no, no, no. Kyle, they, uh, they might not do a show on, on Monday. Monday. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they're doing a show or not, but I know that Kyle, if they are, Kyle's there. So we, I'm filling in Tuesday, then you have the rest of the week. Yep. Um, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday, Friday, I'll be on the Bat Around. I'll be on the Glenn Clark Radio and the Bat Around on Saturday with Ryan Blake. Yeah, I, I'm going to be out of town, so um, yes. so Zach's going to be uh, hosting the show, and we're going to have Ryan Blake. You know him as uh, O's Fans Problems yep. on on Twitter. 
Um, really good guy, really yes. knowledgeable about the Orioles. He also hosts a podcast. Give that fan a podcast yep. for Utah Street Report. So Ryan's a really good dude who's really excited to come on and do the show next week, and I'm Looking excited for you guys it. to have him. And You guys will do a great job. I have no doubt about that. Um, I ran into Kyle at the Orioles game randomly a couple oh, really? of weeks wow. ago, okay. and he's going to South America for a wedding. I heard he was going to a wedding. I didn't know South yeah, America. Yeah, he's going to wow. South America okay. for a wedding. So that's not to put that's Kyle's business awesome. out there. That's but pretty awesome. He told me South America. I was like, South America? That's what? pretty awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So that's why I'm going to be guesting on Glenn Clark Radio on uh, Tuesday, and then Zach will be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then back. Man, you got a lot of driving. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a lot. I live about 40 minutes from here, so it's going it's to well, be a lot. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I for those of you that don't right, know, I, I started working at 105.7, mm-hmm. the fan, and um, their, their studio is literally... Five, ten, five, ten, five minutes down the, down the road from here. Yep. So Monday through Thursday, I drove. Uh, I'll be driving to that studio 40, 45 minutes from Forest Hill, mm-hmm. and then on Saturday. Yep. So you're looking five days a week. I'm making the drive here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's a lot of driving. Maybe Laura and I will start looking for houses closer to here. But because uh, she works at Sinai, which is right down the right. road, also. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, you teased something. Go ahead and tell us what you got. Yeah, so Joey Ortiz, uh, the Orioles' fourth-round pick in 2019 out of New Mexico State. He's batting right now 289. He's got seven doubles, two triples, 816 OPS. He's now been promoted from high-A Aberdeen to double-A Bowie. And as we talked about before, probably for Jordan Westberg as he makes his way to Aberdeen. I don't assume. I don't think there's a probably about it. I think Jordan Westberg is getting I think they'll let him – I think that maybe not today – but the next thing you're going to see, he, right. he is Westberg to Aberdeen. And I don't think that's going to be the end of it. I think there's going to be more promotions coming on. But I was just telling you this in the break. I know we talked about this with Jason a little bit, but I would leave Gunner where he is right now for a little bit longer. You know, he's playing very well, but it's been 19 games. And 19 games is not a whole lot for, what, is he 20, 19? So it's, I, I would keep him right where he is right now, but definitely give that promotion to Westberg. Yeah, he, he's 19. He was 17 when he got drafted. Yep. He, he was a younger guy. Um, and I, I, I may agree with you, and I like what Jason said about how they may want to leave him there without Westberg to see yeah. if the bat still right. plays without somebody like Westberg protecting him, get him, you know, everyday playing time at shortstop instead of, you know, moving him from shortstop to third to DH yeah. uh, with Dar- with Daryl Hernandez that's down there also. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. I know Westberg's coming up. I know it. Um, it has to be. But at some point this year, you're going to see Gunner. And Hudson Haskin, and even maybe Anthony Servideo, who the bat's not there yet, but the batting eye is leading all of minor league baseball. He has something like walks. 30 walks, which yeah. is just unbelievable. He has almost twice as many walks as, as strikeouts. Um, so he leads the, the minors, all of minor league baseball in uh, in walks. And Gunnar Henderson leads all of minor league baseball in RBIs oh with 30. It's they're they're off to an amazing start down there in Delmarva, and you know these guys are getting being promoted and rightfully so. Um, great show today, very good v- show. V- Vinny. Um, Vinny Duber from NBC Sports Chicago was fantastic. Extremely good. Extremely knowledgeable about the White Sox and everything that he said was right on the money. Um, And Jason, you know, I I had all these Orioles questions for him, and we ended up just talking about nothing but minor league baseball. Well, that's because that's what Jason just follows in minor leagues like like anybody. Um, Better than anybody, not named Steve Molesky in my opinion. And that's what, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the future of the Orioles and the best players are in their minor league systems. A really great yeah, segment for there. Sure. Really long show today. Stan ran long. Uh, we ran long with, with Jason. But that's okay because when they're giving us the content they're giving us, you know. That's what matters. Yeah, exactly. I, so, I want to give a shout out, by the way, for the minor leagues. I know a lot of people are really interested in following the minor leagues right now. Um, follow the Twitter account, On The Verge. 
uh, Oriole and Orioles podcast on the verge. I believe that's exactly what it's called. It is. They they post videos and stats all the time of minor league guys. It's probably the best way to follow the minor league system. You'll you'll get to see a ton of you know they post MLB uh, or minor league baseball highlights. Um, you know stats from everywhere, and they highlight all the different guys that are in the Orioles system. So definitely give them a follow if you haven't. If you're interested in hearing more about the the system, yeah, they I follow them too. They are a great follow. They, they're That's really where I get where most of the highlights that I see. If I'm not watching the game right. on the first pitch app, is, do you have minor league baseball TV? The uh, yeah, yeah, the, okay. I have I have the first pitch app. I pay. It's been. Faltering a little bit for me recently. I've I've heard it's it's in and out. Like it's not the the most reliable connection. Yeah, they'll t- yeah, sometimes they'll tell me that I'm not subscribed to view that content, and I have to email them. And oh wow, okay. Yeah, it, but <laughs> but I've been able to watch for the most part. So guys, that's gonna do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thanks for tuning in, Zach. We'll see you next week. I will see you in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See ya.